and welcome to another episode of the Group Up Podcast and the special crossover episode. They don't do those anymore on TV shows. They don't have like these massive crossover episodes, but we've got one now with uh, regulars of the Plat Chat coming through on my show for once. So let me introduce my guest for the great August debate in the top left. Returning, I think Jake, you're one of the most frequently returning guests, actually, outside of the All right. the, the the elite four, if we want to call them. It's Jake. How's it going, everyone? Happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. In the bottom left, close behind as well. Custa's been here a few times now. In the bottom left is my man Custa. Custa, what's up? What's up? It's good to be here. Love a good debate. I, I think what was the last one I was here for uh, was the, the great hero band debate that went for like 19 hours. So, you know, <laughs> may, maybe we keep it a little shorter. Yeah, yeah, we're going to try and stick to a little bit more script. I mean, I, I blame largely Jake for that one because Jake just loved yeah, to talk I, about it. Yeah, I also hero. blame Jake for about <laughs> Jake was hey, interested in that topic. Uh, hey, you know, we actually piqued people's interest. You know, I talked to even it was good, with yeah. some devs um, at the Content Creator Summit. I spoke with a dev who was like kind of not considering the idea seriously, but just sort of like open to the concept of like doing bigger changes like that to the game. Because, I mean, that's a, you know, I, so I just think it is it is a really interesting discussion to have. Worth it was, it was. I, I, I myself. No, no, you were right. I'm I'm the host. It's my responsibility to make sure we don't run over. So I will try that today. And it was very in, insightful, I think, that debate. Aaron said he watched it and he enjoyed it a lot. So we got through. So let's see what happens today in the bottom right. Coming for his first appearance on the podcast is Jaws. Jaws, what's up? Yo, what's up? Thanks for having me. I uh, do appreciate it. I do love the show, so... Yeah, it's good to be on. Awesome. Pleasure to have you on. The pleasure is all ours. We are blessed with a great lineup today. So let's get right into it. For those who don't know, my guests today are, they they believe, the world's first people to have done the PvE legendary uh, missions. Self-proclaimed. Self-proclaimed yeah. world's first. Until, like, someone no <laughs> Until someone disputes them. Until someone disputes them with timestamp evidence. They Let's just say they are the world's first PV legendary run finishers. We have to be the first to have done it like on stream or publicly. And you would yeah. think anyone trying to race it would have probably done it on stream somehow. Like I think, you know, like yeah. I think of people who actually cared like to do it first. Exactly. I think so Jake was say completing the first mission. Were we're world first. No, yeah. they, were, they were on Toronto, but I don't think they even beat Toronto that day. I think no, they, like, they gave didn't. Up. No. <laughs> they had some terrible calm. I remember when I, I we were like, we're racing J3. And I clicked on his screen. And they were like, Winston, Winston and Far. I'm like, yeah. oh, we're no, not racing J3. He's not leading this mission. You can already <laughs> tell these guys take their 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 PV very seriously. So I want to get their thoughts on, on what they what they uh felt it brought to the table. Because obviously their approach is very different to how a lot of people will consume it. So, yeah, I mean, fellas, uh, there's been a lot of discussion, a lot of people with mixed reviews of the PvE. Some feel underwhelmed. Myself, I'll include myself in that uh, category. Others, like yourselves, were clearly very motivated by it, clearly very much enjoyed it. So, yeah, opening. let's just go with your opening general verdict, and then we'll really break down. So each of you could just give me like a quick summary of your general feelings. We'll start with our new guest, Jaws. Jaws, how did you feel about it? Honestly, good. Really good, considering the difficulty. I think if uh, Legendary was easier and it was maybe Expert, because we, we ended up playing Expert at the Creator Summit and because we couldn't do Legendary, we couldn't do <laughs> Toronto. We were like, yeah, we can do this. We're all really good players. Then we jump in and we just get destroyed. Do like one round, we're like, maybe yeah, not. Uh, we're, 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 we're we want to actually <laughs> complete this mission or at least see half of it. And we, we did end up doing Expert. I don't think we even completed Expert. I can't remember. But I think with Legendary being how Ooh. difficult it is, it was satisfying. 
um, yeah. to actually sit there and grind something out. It did remind me of like a WoW progression rating, where it's just like you're slamming your head against the desk for like six hours trying to do uh, this certain boss or like a couple of bosses, like uh, just trial and tribulations. And it was it was fun. It was a good time. I, I don't think I'd I don't think I put myself through that pain again. Um, of doing legendary <laughs> but like when the if and when like new stuff ends up coming out uh, that's another set of three missions for example i want to do it on legendary again because it was tough and it was a challenge and it required a lot of like cooldown management and like comps as well because we were uh we did what ryan sojourn brig and what was the other one ryan sojourn echo, brig, i think yeah, echo yeah for toronto and that was like fun to kind of work out what we needed to play, what was the highest damage output, what was the like the highest sustainability, and yeah, finding that comp it ended up working for us, and we did it in six hours, all three missions on legendary, and I think that's that's a pretty decent time for like decent players too. Yeah, it was good. I I, I also think we would have finished it faster if I hadn't like we had to take a bunch of breaks because I was like I was having like a bunch of like house issues like throughout the day. We had to take a bunch of I feel breaks. Like the breaks and I were was, like, valuable though. We they, yeah, some yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was like stressing out. I come back and you guys like we figured out the strat. I'm like cool. Okay, <laughs> let, let, let's run it down. Um, but yeah, I can springboard off what Jack said. Like I I. I think I agree with Jack that the difficulty was one of the big selling factors of why I enjoyed it. And that was like one of the reasons we came in on the day it came out. And we're like, let's finish all of these on legendary. It'll be fun stream content. It'll be fun to do because we got fucking destroyed on the creator summit. And it's like, well, this is actually going to be hard to do. So you're going to need to use some forethought. You're going to need to learn all the things. So that's something I really enjoyed about it. I understand other people who aren't playing legendary and don't want to sort of like figure out the comp, do all that kind of like stuff. If you're not enjoying that, it's kind of a one and done thing that you would have played one time. You could have done it all in about an hour and then you move on from there. So I, I, I actually really enjoyed it. As long as you didn't come in with the, I guess, the, the idea in the back of your mind of like what it could have been, I think you can enjoy it at face value. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think everyone should let go of what could have been. Although the internet has a hard time doing that, and yeah. that's something we can touch on in a moment. But Jake, yeah, how did you find it? The, 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 I love the gamers describing like, yeah, it was like six hours of banging my head against the desk. Loved it. Awesome. <laughs> Would recommend. Well, so Jake, how was it for I you? Mean, I think I think as a as like a competitive player, you know, somebody who like wants to who's like top five hundred and stuff. In the past, the old PVEs I played, it's like. This is a cool concept, but this is just like way too easy. Like all the old PVE missions, it was like maybe I could like maybe I t it takes a couple tries. But if I'm playing with like four strong players, we'll easily beat it first try, even though we don't really know the mechanics. Like okay, whatever. It's just it's just easy. Like it's not just not challenging. And so I think to have legendary feel, legendary to feel like wow, like m not many players could do this like only really dedicated players and people who are probably already like pretty okay, at least at Overwatch. Like I, I would estimate you're not really going to beat, like I think Toronto might've been like statistically the hardest mission. I don't think people are beating that who aren't like above average in like the Overwatch skill curve. You know, I think it actually just is like high pressure aiming in some situations. Maybe you could, if you just played it like a million times and you knew every single detail, um, just like cheesing and stuff. But I feel like it was rewarding to have a PVE that, truly was like felt like a like a challenging rewarding experience to complete if it's not challenging and it's like oh great i beat it in one hour that was fun guys like that that would have been a disappointment to me and so i think one of the best things for replayability is difficulty in having something that's hard enough where you can't easily just 
get it get through it in an hour right like you can do that if you want to play on just see the story you can play on normal mode or whatever and like you could probably easily first try it and like and almost everyone in overwatch could probably easily first try it but if you want a challenge and like replayability and difficulty and those things which i do want as a competitive player then it was like cool to have pve that felt like oh that's actually interesting for me not just for like oh this is for people who are super casual and and just want to see story stuff they don't they don't want to challenge um, so I like that they were willing to do that with Legendary, even though I'm, that's kind of a risk because I think for a lot of players, they'd be like, oh my God, this is like way too hard. And I was even thinking, oh my God, this is like incredible that it's hard enough to challenge us as like four, you know, high GM players. Johnny doesn't play that much anymore, but like basically like we're all like top like 1% players and it's still a real challenge. So I just think I, I applaud the dev team for being willing to do that. Um, and I hope they keep making them that hard, honestly, in the future. Yeah, let's I just want to springboard off what Jake Go said. Ahead. Like, I want to, I want to make sure they continue that because if they keep making this hard content, it does really remind me of World of Warcraft. Like, not every pub Andy is gonna go in and complete Mythic. Like, they're just not gonna do that. And when you do complete Mythic, you get a chance to mount, or you get the mount if you do it, it when you do current content. So, like, it's really a prestige thing. And I, I enjoy the fact that we got a title, the Nullifier, or just Nullifier, um, to show off and say like hey we did it on legendary like when they released a blog they said toronto was uh, a 0.7 percent completion rate, which is yeah. on legendary which is crazy small in the grand scheme of things it's not actually that small like think about how many players actually played on legendary probably a lot and like compare that to world of warcraft it's kind of the same thing like only high-end guilds and like high-end like good players are completing mythic and they're getting the best gear they're getting uh titles they're getting mounts and stuff like that to kind of show off when you walk past someone in I don't know Orkamar or Stormwind or whatever, and they've got the they've got the new mount from the new raid. That's a myth. Uh, that's mythic only, or like the title from the mythic raid. You're like, wow, okay. Right click inspect. Like that's the old meme. It's like right click inspect them, see what gear they have. Like because that's awesome. And I really enjoyed the fact that we did get something uh, a little bit exclusive to that mode for completing on the hardest difficulty. Um, and I, I want to make sure they continue to do that. And like the mechanics and having to think about and like strategizing like the top turret placement and stuff at the very end of the last level is. Yeah, it was it was super good. Uh, yeah. I also want to just sort of come in as well. I actually think if you move away from the MMO aspect, it reminded me of I don't know if anyone else has had this experience. Halo Three going through the campaign legendary, on Legendary, yeah, sure. and then you had to collect the skulls to get a specific set of armor as well when you yep. did that on Legendary. That's what it reminded me of me because I remember I did I spent two days at my friend's place. He stayed at my place for the first day, and then I went over to his place for the next day, and I like literally just took my entire Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty and like. We, we did all of them on Legendary and we beat our heads against it. Some of the missions were really hard. Some of the parts were really hard of those missions. And like, you eventually got that. That's what it reminded me of. And I think that's like, it's kind of like unlocking a core memory of what I love about video games. And that's why I enjoyed it, even though it wasn't as difficult and I'm now 30 years old instead of 12. Uh, you know, it, it, it still sort of like brought that sensation. It was Hayabusa, right? Hayabusa or something? And yeah, then the, the Katana, the Katana yeah. fucking on the back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And then security, I think, armor, which is like the Bumblebee-looking one, giant shoulder pads. I think that was the <laughs> the other legendary one. Yeah, I because oh, I, I did exactly the same thing on Halo Two yeah. as well. Maybe think, maybe they'll uh, add some cosmetics someday to to help you guys feel that nostalgia. I just wanted to I just wanted to like <laughs> take it take a slightly different direction because I appreciate you guys have kind of you know you're all playing it on legendary. I think there's like two ends to this because. Uh, I, I, I'm sure someone will point out that I haven't brought on a lore enthusiast yet to really talk about, well, actually it was a real treat for the lore people too because this is like the first time we really get to dig into 
the characters just kind of exploring the world e with each other and, and all these interactions that I keep seeing pop up on my timeline of like cute things they're saying to each other in the missions. Genji turning out to be quite a bad potential wife who candidate for mercy was an interesting little plot twist that I didn't <laughs> didn't expect. Um, so there's like these two ends I think that probably did really enjoy the PvE. There's the lore enthusiasts who I still see are still finding new things and they're loving it. There's guys like yourselves who, and we're going to, you know, shout one out for Johnny. Johnny, who is unfortunately recovering from a wisdom tooth. The rest of us were wearing black in case he rest didn't make peace, it. Bro. In case he didn't make <laughs> yeah. it. Custa didn't get the memo. Custa didn't get that. I'm halfway there, you know. I You're, hope he's no right. <laughs> a, a, somber, a somber beige to like, or like a yeah. gray to like, you know, like, oh, in, in, in memory. So yeah, so you guys, you know, you, you, you enjoyed the difficulty of it. There's like obviously a section of people perhaps somewhere in the middle who neither are overly into the lore neither are overly into grinding it on the hardest difficulty and i mean there's been a lot of negative reception right let's put it this way i i'm, I'm kind of alluding to like the steam reviews and stuff right where there's a lot of people complaining a lot of people unhappy do you think like those were disingenuous complaints or do you think that there was maybe lessons to be learned from the TV as well? That, like half of those, half of those reviews are like, from Chinese. Yeah, two thirds are from China. That, yeah, two thirds. Just like mad they can't play the game, which is reasonable to be mad you can't play the game you like, but also sort of ironic in a way that like you wouldn't give a game a negative review because you can't play. Like if you give a game a negative review because you're mad you can't play it isn't that a that's like a good review? yeah that's like a good thing for the game right like they're it's, like, upset like, it's yeah. like oh i wish i could play i'm so mad like, <laughs> it's like, yeah but like that isn't that for like a plus someone who's never played overwatch isn't that actually like a reason to play the game so whatever i get people are mad so i think it's like a lot of review bombing i mean i don't know yeah. i don't know how many how many of the reviews are like say what like i'm not gonna go in there and read all the steam reviews but that's, that's what i've heard that a lot of it is like Players mad they can't play the game, um, and then you mentioned SVB like this idea of like people mad about you know what it could have been and stuff like that, um, which I get on the one hand, but also it just strikes me as as strange. It's like I don't know, like I just don't get it why people are like still talking about that or still thinking about it. Like what's like I don't know. I just do you like, think do you think it's like on. a do you think this is like a little baggage that Overwatch either will have to live with or have to shake in some way? Because it, so what I, I did for a little bit of funny content, I was like, I'm going to read the Steam reviews. And the theme I got was there was a lot of disgruntled former Overwatch <laughs> players, right? It was a lot of people who like are already left the I game. I used to play this game. It sucks now. Yeah, man. pretty like, much. Yeah, they were I like, tried. oh, I used to love Overwatch when it was 6v6, when I could play six Winstons, or when it was when I only <laughs> had to play, I only had to pay once. But then they went scummy, greed, greed, free to play, and they changed everything How I liked. And like, blah, 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 blah. Exactly, yeah. right? So there was a, it was like a lot of gris disgruntled former players. It felt like former lovers almost, right? R writing bad reviews about yeah, their ex. Jilted, jilted lovers. But do you think that's something that Overwatch will have to deal with, having had as great a cultural impact as it did? I think it's suffering from its own success in a way, DJ Khaled. But like, it was so popular that it's like so many people now are, are upset that we have to like deal with that. Hello guys, SCB here and the Goop Up podcast is back. And I'd like to take just 30 seconds of your time to talk to you about two quick things. Firstly, Patreon. If you enjoy the content, then please do consider supporting directly because Patreon takes only about 10% of the money you give, where YouTube and Twitch take 40 and 50% respectively. So if you'd like to support the podcast, then that is the best way to do so. 
Secondly, if you're someone who enjoys video essays or detailed analysis of movies, TV or anime, then please do check out my second channel, The Soak, where I'll be making videos about those kind of topics much more frequently and where a lot of my attention will go beyond just Overwatch. It would mean the absolute world to me if you guys would check it out. But that's it for now. Let's head back to the discussion. I, I think it's quite I, interesting. No, you go, Jack. You can keep running. All right. I think it's quite interesting because it's really just the meme of living in someone's head rent-free. Because yeah. I almost guarantee a lot of those reviews, um, if you subtract like the Chinese audience, which is the majority of the reviews, um, the, the Western reviews, I almost guarantee those players have probably not played in years. I would imagine years. Maybe they maybe they jumped on every now and then, you know, like they're probably pretty casual and they played a few games and then they jumped off and then they played, I don't know, whatever else, like Warzone or like, you know, uh, I don't know, just other random RPGs on, on Steam. And then they're coming back, obviously, because they see it's on the platform that is the biggest game-selling platform of all time, in the West, at least, uh, Steam. And they're like, oh, okay, I hate this game because now they've turned it free to play. And I do miss having six Winstons and 6v6. And I did scroll through them like you... I didn't make content out of it, but like I scrolled through them. I was just curious on like how people are really reacting to this. And it was, it was very much like loot boxes are gone. It's free to play so they sell skins. And the fact that there's no 6v6. And I feel like... The, the whole debate of like 6v6 and 5v5 had just been, we buried that already. I feel like the majority yeah, of the it's community, over. at least in the last years, yeah, it's just like we buried that. The game is just better with um, 5v5. And I think, again, a lot of those players probably didn't play at the level where if you don't run double shield, you just lose. And that is just the way the game was trending because if you don't die in a video game, then you're going to do better than the other team who is dying, you know? Like sustain and like just surviving is just way better than anything else. And like, we were going to get to the stage where like shield characters were just too broken and the ability to make new characters like Ram and like, you know, uh, you could even say Sigma, he didn't get reworked or anything like that, but like Sigma on his own is like very different from like Sigma playing with Orisa, you know, where you're just standing behind two barriers and like the game overall is just better, but those players don't really know what it's like because they probably haven't played that long uh, or like uh, in, in such a long time. And then on top of that, it's like the loot box thing, which is, just, and the people complaining about missing the old level system. I'm like, bro, you did not miss old levels, man. You missed getting a free loot box every level. Like, that's what yeah. you missed. You missed just getting free skins. I can't remember the last time I bought loot boxes on my watch. I don't know if anybody else can remember. I think the first, I think, I think I New Year, like the first season, maybe. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, 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 like the yeah. first six months the game came out, I probably bought like so much 40 loot stuff? boxes one time. But exactly. It's, it's, and after, after playing the game for like, a couple of years was like no i just had you don't need to do buy every exactly you just buy every single skin that comes out and it's just people again i don't think people also understand how much time and effort and work goes into making skins and making content making systems and making everything else if you tallied up how many hours like these 10 people worked on a skin for like maybe custom voice lines custom sounds like the tracer comic book skin for example has custom sounds when she hits people and like all these small little things how many hours it takes them and how much money that costs the company like they're like, oh no, it's just a free skin. You can bash that up in like an hour. Like people just I, don't really understand. Yeah, so that. I remember. I remember. You sorry, know? I just want to set the stage a little bit because I remember talking to the devs, and they said like a mythic skin takes a year uh, yeah. to, to like in in sort of development time yeah. to make. But because the polish, you gotta start. So you gotta start from like a concept. Yeah. You know, like what are you gonna make? Exactly. It's like that's a huge. There's a question. theme to the each of the seasons. Worthy. Yeah, is the skin gonna fit the theme of the season? Is it gonna be worthy of the mythic title? 
what are all the like i mean there's so much ideation that goes into that before we even get to the question of executing it modeling it sound yeah. like all that design exactly. you know a huge part of it is make it fit within the game but also make it insanely different unique cool like i, I don't know i think people are, have this crazy idea where they want Overwatch 1 came out at, like, the turn of development yeah, models, really. Exactly. Overwatch yes. 1 was kind of, like, the last AAA multiplayer game, like, PC-style multiplayer game that was developed on a Zelda game. Um, box price. Kind once of thing, a yeah. year. Yeah, box price, exactly. Um, Zelda game. And then, like, so the only games that still do that are, like, because Call of Duty still does that. It's probably the only successful game that still does that just because they've just been doing it forever and they're going to, like, keep doing it as long as it works, I guess. Um but like every other popular online multiplayer game, part of that's because COD is like a very Western game and it's like very heavily console based. And so like the modern sort of PC multiplayer games are almost, have almost all gone free to play. And Overwatch was one of the last ones to be box price. And then people don't realize like, okay, like if you want Overwatch to be a box price game, Overwatch 2 needs to cost 40 bucks. Overwatch 3 needs to come out in one year and cost another 40 bucks. Overwatch 4 needs to come out next year and cost another 40 bucks or whatever, 40? right? Like that's... Dude, yeah, like it's six, gonna cost 80, you know, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, yeah, yeah, if you sell a million copies or like million, I don't know how many copies Overwatch One sold. Let's say you 50, sold fifty plus million, million. Copies, 50, fifty million plus. Okay, let's say you say fifty million copies, forty dollars a game, right? Like you make a big pot of money, but you're not continuing to make money. You're at some point you're actually you're spending more money developing the game than you are continuing to make new sales, and so it doesn't make sense like like to have this giant dev team and pay all these top like top of their field people to make continuous new content for the game. It like by definition won't last forever. And so you have to transition the model. And I think, I wonder if people being upset about, oh, it's free to play now and they're selling skins and I can't get all the skins. It's like, th there's just no concept of like how game dev works because people are like, well, like Fortnite's free, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. I, which is crazy to me. Cause I feel like actually every game has like the same model these days, which is that they sell skins and you can't get all the skins in the game unless you pay a ton of money. Like Apex has like has like hundred fifty dollar knives, right? Isn't that how much it is for like heirlooms or whatever they're called? Well, the heirlooms are like a random chance at you getting them from a loot box. But okay, so yeah, but like functionally, but you can you... also get them if you buy. So like when a an event well, comes CSGO, out, right? Yeah, like or CSGO with like knives and skins. Yeah, like with, when an event comes out in Apex is really interesting because if you own, if you buy enough of the like the loot boxes that come with the event cosmetics you will get the heirloom but it's like 24 items that you have to collect and you're spending like 150 dollars plus trying to get like yeah. the heirloom for that specific so that's, thing so that's kind of what i meant it's like yeah it's, it's a lot of like, money for a lot of other games right and that like that's more than just spending overwatch to get the full unlock so i think people have this the challenge in overwatch is that because it started with the box price transition yeah. to free to play so many people are saying all these things about the box price game i love that like you don't have to spend any more money you bought the game you're just going to keep getting all the content for free but i also want it to be like these other games i play where there's always more content and that's that's there's just a disconnect there where it's like i don't know people are living in an alternate reality where 
where you can get devs to work without paying them money and they don't have families to feed and like apartment rent to pay. So like, so we've kind of, we've kind of, you know, made the case against it. Custer, do you have any sympathy for the people who lament the loss of the Overwatch 1 model, who lament like, oh, well, it's, or, or maybe they just feel like, I've seen, oh my God, someone's dying. Jack, you okay? Good? Okay, okay. Yeah. Maybe right, Jack, hey, why are you doing off? I, I, you go do that. You go check on that. I'll answer we, the question. We somehow changed. We changed uh, positions as well. So now everyone's names are all fucked up. I don't know what happened. We'll we'll see if that fixes on its own. So what I was gonna say is that I've seen a lot of people say, well, actually, the the Overwatch two change was like motivated by greed. They didn't have to make like it's more. It's like trying to min max money. It's not that they like there's sympathy towards well they need to make money, but they're like hyper greeding it. You know, it's it, maybe the free to play model can work, but the way they're doing it is particularly extortionate like do you have any sympathy for the people who feel like this has become a, a more greedy version of the game or do you think they're kind of out of line and it, it's funny because i think to answer your question i actually need to respond to your previous question as well i think the steam stuff was more of a call to action and that's why it was so big is that it became a call to action to all people on like reddit and stuff like that right of like i saw on our gaming i saw on our overwatch i saw on our everything people like yo it's getting negatively bombed they deserve this and that's why it got so much, uh, you know, traction and why people were hating on it. Whenever you have something that happens at this scale, there has to be some justification. Yes, there are some extremes of people responding to this kind of like negativity, but like there, there has to be validity to it in some way, right? Of like, why are people upset? And I think Jake really hit the nail on the head of why people are upset of like, you, you have this transition period. And I think it all goes back to, I have sympathy for these people because what they announced in 2019 we literally never saw any of it like they they and then we we spent years of overwatch one and that's a big portion of that time is when a lot of people stopped playing overwatch during that 2019 to 2022 period people just stopped playing the game because there wasn't anything being developed then when overwatch 2 came out it didn't bring them back so people just have this nostalgia of what the game was in 2016 2017 which was really a global phenomenon in the gaming space like overwatch was enormous and i think we sometimes forget that so a lot of people just get snubbed and i think there's that's why people are upset and i i understand why they feel like they got ripped off the but i think there's a middle ground because i think as well at the same time i don't understand why people are so upset because a lot of the decisions if you get rid of the idea that they tried to launch overwatch 2 in 2019 and they promised this pve that they never delivered on the developers are doing a good job of transitioning this game into a live service game. And I think season six is the greatest example of that. We got so much content here in season six, and this is how a live service game should function. And it really feels like we're really starting to see the live service game go into a run, but people just aren't giving it an opportunity. So I have, I have sympathy because I have a lot of friends who played Overwatch, loved Overwatch back in 2016, 17, 18. And I try to convince them to play every now and then, or we play every now and then casually. And they're just like, it just doesn't do it for me anymore. And I think that's fair. Like, I think if a game, you just, game's just not fun anymore, just don't play it. I just don't understand why there's... So I have sympathy for those players of like, it just isn't the game I fell in love with, but I don't have sympathy for the people who are, it is living rent-free in their brain and they make it their life mission to tear down Overwatch at every chance that they get, right? Like, why? Yeah, Sorry, I, I'm back. That's you're good. It. Are you good? Are you dying? They're good. Although I will Are say, there's a door. There, okay, I walk out my apartment. Right, I'm about to go downstairs. Like the not using the elevator, and the door next to that, there was just water. 
pouring out of it, like soaking the carpet. So I might be flooding. We'll see. Uh, well, uh, if I die on the podcast, then, you know, good memorial. Bro, well, I'll let you know if, if water starts pouring yeah, behind you, I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. It'll, it'll just be like a news reporter during a disaster. Like, I'm right here as my apartment is flooding. Oh, watch is great. I think you should buy the battle pass. Go support. Yeah. You're going to go down as a martyr, Jack. We appreciate yeah. you. Thank God. True, true homies just die for your dream. content. True homies die for your content. I mean, I think... I think looking back at it in hindsight, hindsight is obviously 2020, but like, ironically, perhaps what might go down as the biggest problem for Overwatch, if it quote unquote fails, the biggest reason for its failure is not necessarily even the ins and outs of the management of the game where there are plenty of complaints and, and valid complaints. It might literally just be BlizzCon 2019, Jeff Kaplan bowling up on stage. And talking about redefining the sequel and we're going to give you Overwatch 2 and it's going to integrate into Overwatch 1. It's going to be this free, you know, it's going to be free and you're going to get all this cool shit. But we're going to make the PvE as well and all the confusion they're left behind. Because I think the problem that it put the devs in now is that it doesn't matter what they say now or what they've said for the last year, 18 months. People just hold on to that one moment in time when and Jeff is gone. But people don't care. Like, Jeff left the team. Like, oh, it's been over, like, what's 18 months or something since yeah. Jeff left. But people the, don't care. Most of the people but, but probably even longer. Like, like that... That was he, that thing. was announced 18 months ago. He yeah. was probably already out of development or things and were like already happening behind the scenes. Yeah, probably, transition yeah. periods. Exactly. Like, and the funny thing about that as well is I think every second blog post, Aaron's like, we're sorry we didn't deliver. But it wasn't yeah. his sole decision or the dev team that's currently associated with this game. Like, I think they're doing a great job with what they have, but they did acquire a huge chunking pile of PR disaster. Like, that that's the thing and like a lot of the devs and everybody that works there management programmers you know server engineers everybody like artists everybody like a lot of those people probably weren't around for 2018 or the original vision of the uh, of overwatch and how it came out but like no one sees that because no one sees the people that actually work on the game maybe you follow a few on twitter you know i follow a few of the artists because they put out crazy cool work and, and stuff like that and that's the big disconnect there because from like the layman, like the plebeian fucking brain is just like, oh, Overwatch, Blizzard? Yeah, they're all the same people. There's probably about 10 people that work on Overwatch. Like, oh, and they've worked on Overwatch for like 30 years, you know? It's, it's the same kind of people. They when... made it. They made everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Everybody's it. the it's same, game, surely. Right? Like, it's, it's, uh, it's frustrating because development is hard. Like, development is super hard making a game and making a game as, like, polished as, like, Overwatch or World of Warcraft. And, like, Blizzard have to reach this standard of, like, polish within a video game, and it takes a long time. Like you said with the Mythic skin before, how long it takes them to make one of those. And they always hit that standard of, like, polish on, like, cosmetics and everything else. And so you can kind of see where people are coming from and, like, how disappointed they are, like, X, Y, and Z isn't coming out, or, like, being featured in the game, the talent system, and all this kind of stuff. But in reality... If they can't make it as well as they want to, which is exactly what Aaron said in some of the blog posts, they're not just going to make it just for the sake of it, just to please people. Because it's it's going to come out, it's not going to be good, and then people are going to trash it. And Aaron has said in multiple blogs, in fact, and Scott, I like you picked that up. Uh, he's just like, you know, we're sorry we couldn't deliver. But he said, like, a lot of the people, this is in writing in some of the blogs, like, a lot of the people that worked on the game, like, we're new here. Like, we're, we're just jumping in now and, like, trying to make the best thing we can possibly make. And it's, it is sad seeing the devs, devs get trashed because they do work really hard. And they, newsflash, they care about Overwatch. I know, crazy, crazy thought. <laughs> they actually do care. You and shut it. 
Yeah, so I never. I mean, I mean, people genuinely think they don't care, and it's like yes. Really? I th I think this perception is is that that perception or that idea is a very lazy one, and I think we can let go of that. Like, I think people need to. I mean, they won't. It's the internet, but people need to let go yeah. of like this the lazy dev stereotype. It's like any understanding of how businesses work should tell you that incompetence is not necessarily out of a lack of effort. It's just like often what happens when corporate management is involved, right? And and Activision is perhaps one of the worst offenders but a lot of i know a lot of people listening will be like well this is this is apologism right because like you guys are trying to make excuses but at the end of the day the product must deliver and we can we can definitely see cases where games have salvaged their reputation after down periods in their time they've kind of come back and and, and grown back to life apex always an example that comes yeah. to mind and also other blizzard games have succeeded you know diablo 4 on its launch was massively received in the most successful blizzard game ever released in that sense financially of course later people got mad because there was like updates they didn't like but the point being that the reputation of blizzard did not stop the game's success so where does overwatch fit into that like where i mean maybe you guys believe that it is already doing a great job and it doesn't need to hit the standards that it itself hit to be considered successful but like what do you think overwatch needs to do like do you think it can salvage its reputation do you think there are things that need to be done so that people stop this idea that Overwatch is like this failed bad game. I feel like it's I, just a long, steady grind. Like, yeah. I think the devs have the right mindset, which is like one of the things that the devs said at their, um, at like the creator summit is just like, you know, we're not going to be like giving people all this pie in the sky anymore. You know, we know that there's that trust issue in the community because of like this failure to deliver on the massive scope of pve that was previously announced and so we're just going to keep doing stuff and like keep making the game as much as we can and like in the end i think that's all you can do right like why does why do those games come back um and like grow and and hit have new successes it's just because the devs kept kept working and the game became something that people wanted to play and that they they enjoyed and there was like enough new content to keep people interested and draw in new players um and so i think it seems to me that like everything the devs are doing is in line with that right with like the steam release and just like i think that's a great thing like just drawing in new players i feel like yes we got some cool pve that was fun but the real core focus it feels like the dev team has refocused on the pvp and i know you're saying like oh this like to take that the devs don't care is like a lazy take actually i i was i hated like a lot of aspects of the way the dev team did the game for years and overwatch's launch because i'm like i'm a hardcore pvp player and it just feels like they don't care about that, actually. They were, like, only caring about the PvE. Oh, like, we're going to res resurrect Titan and, like, do all these things that Titan was going to be. And there's going to be an Overwatch. It's going to be great. But, like, I was like, hey, this PvP is super successful. Like, like focus on this. Do more for this. And I feel like, actually, now is when that vision, my like, what I had always wanted is being realized. So, in that way, I'm happy. Um, obviously, there's still some things I want to see change. I feel like... Um, especially like the high rank experience, like SK did a really, really good video on this recently um, about like the top 500 ranked experience and like all the issues with it. I, I loved her videos, like actually so, so good and so on point in my opinion. Um, but just like, as like somebody who, if you, somebody who plays Overwatch, you're pretty much playing the multiplayer. Like that's the content that is in the game. And so that's the focus of the dev team now. And that, that's what we see, I think with the content is like, there's like all, almost all the content. I mean, yes, we got the PVE, but beyond that, almost <laughs> that all the content hard. is more pvp content heroes skins maps um new game mode flashpoint which i think is like really fun and well designed i think they did a good job with that mode um and so i think it actually is exciting 
for people who like the PvP, they're like that's a good time to play. I I also want to sort of like say as well as like I don't think Overwatch is ever going to hit its previous peaks and its previous successes. It's actually like I think they said at season six launch that they actually had the most concurrent players that they've ever had since launch or something like that. So we are on the up. Like you know that everything is doing well, especially if you consider probably where we were in twenty twenty one. Like those were the dark ages, right? In Overwatch one, yeah, it was it was it was bad out there during that period. But I think we also lose sight as well of like. This game has been out for what seven years, almost eight years now. Like it's a game that has had a long standing, and not a lot of games live through the test of time, right? Especially multiplayer games. You know, they usually come and go with a very short lifespan, unless you're like you know the big few, right? Your League of Legends, CS, and all that kind of stuff. So the fact that Overwatch is in that category, maybe not as big as either any of those titles, it's still just pottering along and it's doing just fine for itself. And I don't think you need to have this like. We don't need to be number one. I think we just need to get back to a point that the public perception for the game is not that it's just dead. I think it just needs to get back to a point of, yeah, Overwatch is here. It exists. And I think Steam was a great step in the right direction of like, it's just an accessible game that anyone can really jump into and play at any moment. So I think Overwatch is doing great. I think Jake said it hit the nail on the head. PV was a terrible idea. It wasn't good for the game. It isn't what the core values of the game should have ever been as much as it would have been awesome. That's not what Overwatch was. Um, and I think the most ironic thing, just maybe taking a little bit of a step back, I, is that the casual fan who has this Jeff Kaplan on this golden platform because he was the face of the golden years of Overwatch, be like, Jeff was the truth. We need Jeff back. But then they don't think that Jeff was probably a large proponent of why Overwatch 2 was announced and the idea of making the game a PvE. Jeff Kaplan was probably, he was in charge during those times. So you can't have it both ways in, in that way. You can't, you know, hail and lord Jeff Kaplan as this hero of Overwatch while also blaming the current developers for what happened. Um, so I think that's a lot. I, I, I like the new dev team more, man. Like the I way, really like uh, the, the new the, dev the, team. The, I really the do. New, the new, all the devs I've talked to, like I remember I had conversations, I'm not going to name any names, but with like some of the devs who, who aren't around anymore. And like, I remember feeling like, wow, this is like, I'm a hardcore competitive player and like my concerns are like kind of falling on deaf ears here. Not that they're like, um, like bad people, but I just like, huh? Like, I guess we just like really care about super different things with the game. And nowadays all the devs I talk to are actually like really engaged. It feels like we're on the same page with yeah. like thinking about thinking about what matters in the game and like, and feels like they're like interested in having conversations and interested in learning more and like wanting to grow and improve. It's not at all like, oh, my, we have our vision, we're gonna execute on it, which is I think how it was before. And so honestly, like I, I'm like super bullish on just this team. Like I believe, I believe in the people. And so I think, you know, who knows like what, how things are gonna go in the future. But I think that's the most important thing you can look at if you're gonna judge okay, is Overwatch going to succeed in the future? Is it going to grow? Is it going to have success? Um, ultimately, I think you got to look at the people, look at the team they put together, and do you believe in them? Do you believe in their ability to deliver? And, and I do. Like, I've met a lot of them personally. And I think although, right, like it's not Jeff Kaplan in the spotlight, and maybe, and maybe having Jeff Kaplan on camera, he's like good on camera, it was like a good thing for Overwatch. And like, this is the guy, this is the Overwatch dev team. This is <laughs> Jeff Kaplan sitting in front of a camera. But like, that's not actually how it is the reality is it's a lot of folks behind the scenes like grinding away and like you know making decisions prioritizing things trying to deliver on new content and i feel like everything i see 
from the sort of the new guard that has come in is like really heartening and i'm i believe in them so i don't know if it's going to all work out but i do think like we've got a great team to to like put trust and faith in um yeah 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 i, I think to your point sub actually just on the mm -hmm. um audience i think it's a lost cause for like all those people that are leaving the negative reviews and like review bombing the game and just like the game is living in their heads rent free fuck them bro like who cares they're they're long gone they're not going to boot up the game again they're not going to install the game they're just going to sit there perpetuating this hatred which is fine because eventually they will get bored they will eventually uh, you know it's, this is the whole steam launch was just a kind of like a match to the fire kind of thing like it's added and it's just like oh you know actually i hate overwatch i remember now i hate overwatch uh, you know <laughs> um but like the steam and what scott said the steam launch was good because it gets it gets the game in more hands and more like having fresh eyes on the game too like there's probably a lot more people playing the game now that had never played overwatch before and like the steam launch in general i would love to see the numbers of like Overwatch 2 launching and how many new players there were, or like new accounts that were created on Battle.net to actually play the game versus how many new players came into season six. Because I must guarantee season six is probably, or like the Steam launch, sorry, uh, was probably bigger for like the newer player base. And there are probably a lot more of those players sticking around because they don't have this, some of them probably have this perception because they've seen it because Overwatch was in this culture as like guys and everybody was talking about it and everybody was making video videos on it. Like they've probably seen a lot of that kind of uh, drama and you know bullshit that went around but um a lot of those new players they probably won't have you know and they're jumping in they're playing and they're going oh wait this game's actually kind of fun like it's 5v5 you just run around i shoot people uh, they die and uh yeah tank's pretty cool i play ryan you know like i just swing at people like a lot of those people are probably going to be able to stick around because they're not tainted by all this stuff that we had before and that, those are the people the dev team need to focus on and just like getting more people in the game and having them stick around and the monetization system is going to be there because it's a free-to-play game, but it's definitely not the most egregious out there. And old old heads aren't going to be able to get over that, but new people and like the whole gaming community is so used to that stuff now, so used to it, and even more so as well. You mentioned COD before; you have to pay for COD. There's a battle pass, and you can buy skins. So like, there's that triple layer of stuff. And Overwatch has got the battle pass, forty dollars a year if you want to buy all of them, which come with the new heroes. And then, you know, the cosmetics, if you want to buy them. But again, newsflash, you don't have to buy all the cosmetics, by the way. You don't have to own all that shit. It's and fine. you don't have you to pay for all the heroes. I feel like this is like a crazy, yeah. it's a crazy yeah. thing. It's so easy are. to unlock, like, actually. Have you like, ever, you go I, into I know, I've... training range and you use the abilities and then you play tank for a little bit and then you get ram. Like, what the fuck? That's so easy. <laughs> My, like, and I feel like Apex or something. I've played like hundreds of hours of Apex, and I have like nine or ten characters. I have like a third of the characters. Yeah, in the game. like you don't need and them, I, I've right? Played, like, like hundreds of hours. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, and it's like that League of Legends too. Like I very briefly oh dabbled in it. And it's like getting yeah. into it. Like, you were playing. I started playing League because I, I try, uh, not really, but I like played a few games, and I was like, "What do you mean? I can only play like." 10 champions and then they're like <laughs> random like i can't even like yeah, yeah they like randomly I unlock even, like, some play the same one for like a month if i wanted to learn it i can't do that it's gonna like cycle yeah. it's like what the fuck 
it's like so aggressive that like it would take you thousands of hours no yeah thousands but like hundreds of hours i've been playing for hundreds of hours Maybe now thousands. and i have like i have like half of them now and i i have i can buy whichever one i want now but like the the pursuit of unlocking every single champion in league of legends is is useless and fine and you know like it is a different game where you don't need all the champs you just play the ones that you you like to play but i'm an aram warlord so i like to just unlock things that i enjoy to play so i was if playing don't have league of legends unlocked, can you get it in aram do you roll it or no? no, you can no, only you... get anything that's available to you at the time. Yes. So the free, yeah, the free rotation and only the... people, people make new accounts. People make new accounts just unlock accounts. the champs they want to play and just yeah. the heroes they want to play, and then the chances of you getting that character in an ARAM is goes up. I, I've been playing that game since 2012, 2013, and then I cast it for three years as well. Didn't have all the champ. Like I yeah. just didn't. And like when a new champ comes out, if I can't, if I don't want to splash money on it, I just watch like pro POVs, and that's how I like knew what the champion did and all this kind of stuff and like knew the combos and everything else and like i use that as like casting and like i i can't play the champion but i can so, watch someone else play it because i don't want to put 10 bucks in you know like so i think you all right. make fair points about like well the, the environment of the cult the environment of the gaming industry right now is like i i think the people who are upset about perhaps the exploitiveness they're you know we i think we should always hold the developers to account of any game of and and make sure they're not making egregious monetization decisions i still disagree with the way they bundled the pve i i think oh terrible i agree yeah that was wasn't cool boring. the way they they kind of forced you to buy more than what the value of the pve was just to get you like foot in the door so like these things i i disagree with i've been vocal about disagreeing with them and i hope that it's not always in the actual devs control as well by the way another thing we should clarify for those who don't understand like that's not necessarily something the person who's ma who's making the reinhardt skin has any say in at all it's just like some guy from activision it's is like definitely not yeah. something no. the person who makes no. the reinhardt skin <laughs> no i mean that guy's probably a freelancer anyways guys. that guy's probably a freelancer anyway so he's not even work for blizzard but like some guy from activision comes through and is like it's 15 bucks we're yeah, gonna do it like stuff this, about right? like how they're gonna do stuff in the shop i guarantee is is not from like uh, internals of the team and it's i mean one i think of those... like the person more likely the person making that decision is also deciding stuff about how to call, price call of duty it's like it's like they're looking at data and they're saying how can we make the most money so and yeah. actually SUB, you meant you said this before about like you know people have this criticism like oh this is like super greedy from from this game dev and i just feel like people are really i don't know maybe they're like really um what's the term naive about the reality of like how Don't businesses sure. yeah. work like greedy is like not even like applicable like if you are a, a publicly traded company you exist to generate profit for shareholders the one there's like this theory about shareholding right any publicly traded corporation which is that it's not possible for a publicly traded corporation to do anything except maximize profits because when when the ownership of the company is diffuse, is in like I could own I, I don't actually, but I could own some shares of Activision Blizzard and I could vote. And let's say so and so that's actually how we decide who's the CEO of Activision Blizzard is all the shareholders are gonna effectively, I mean it might be like a board and stuff, but if you really you know, all the people who own parts of this company have like some diffuse say about the decisions it makes. So the one thing that this incredibly diverse group of people who don't know each other, who don't talk to each other, who are all the collective owners of the company. The one thing that everyone can agree on is, is profit maximizing because you want the value of your shares to go up. Why do you buy those? Why do you buy ownership in the company? Cause you want to, it to go up and you want to like retire someday. It's like, it's like a, that's like the existence of this financial instrument is to grow the value of the company to increase the share price. That's why all CEOs these days are paid. Like 90% of their compensation is in 
shares in the company. So the CEO's whole incentive is to make the share price go up. Like everything about the structure is for that. And you, I mean, I think there's, there's obviously huge social ills that come with that, but it's like, talk to me about Exxon mobile. Like, I don't give a shit about Activision. We're talking <laughs> yeah. about a video game, you know, like, like really, really like that. Like there's social ills that come with this, but this is how we see those in like the context of a game and stuff like that. It's just like, it's like the modern reality. So I feel like people who are like, Blizzard's so greedy. It's it's like almost strikes me as like it's like absurd to say something like that. It's like if there's a publicly traded corporation. It has no emotions. It has no feelings. It is a structure that exists to like derive a result. Like of course the result is to like try to make the most money possible. Well, that's it's also like, that's like a feature of the structure. That is what the purpose of having a business of this structure is. Like it's that, also funny not buy any products from publicly traded corporations and good luck with that, by the way, in the modern world. <laughs> exactly. That, that is the argument. And, and it's also funny what causes them to, to accuse them of greed, which is like, I couldn't get the favorite skin. It's $20. It's like, it's just a cosmetic item on a character that you play that you can play already. Like the character is largely free or easy to unlock. But anyways, we're getting kind of uh, other publicly traded corporations are like, we're going to make the price of insulin. <laughs> yeah, literally. Right? It's like, yeah, yeah, there's all those levels live. of it. And it's like, so, I mean, we're getting a little bit off the track. It's a valuable, yeah. I appreciate that perspective. I think it's like a really good way of, of, of putting it in context of like when people have these complaints. And again, I don't want it to uh, confuse that we're saying that they're absolved of all financial decisions. Like just because there is a greater evil out there in the world doesn't mean that they can't make better decisions for the customer and for the for the consumer of Overwatch that are fair. Well, and, and I just think that it is actually the case that they, they will not change. Like it will, like no. the idea of having like, like I want to get all the skins. It's like... That is antithetical to making the most money and it will never happen. Well, the skins are the product. So like, yeah, like arguably the heroes are the product too, but like the skins are the thing that we're selling in Overwatch 2. So like you can't expect, if you want to buy all the skins you, or if you, you want all the skins. All, you wouldn't pay them any more money. So like, yeah. they, why yeah. would they let you do that? Well, or they're going to let you do that. It's going to be a huge amount of money. They don't, they want a very small fraction of the player base to be like the biggest whales are the only people who can get everything. And because that's the way free-to-play games work is like 90% of people are truly free-to-play and literally give them nothing. And so it's the 10% of people who love the game and who want to buy all the skins and stuff who support basically the whole development endeavor. And so there needs to be like thousands and thousands of dollars of skins because for like realistically 10% spend some money, but it's like the 1% of people who are spending like a huge fraction, like half the total money going into the game. And so... There needs to be a ton of content for that one percent. That's that's just the reality of free to play games. That's how it works. Like because so many people are like, I don't know, there's like kids who have no money. They want to. It's like a free game. It's sick for them because they get a game that normally would be like sixty. Oh, I wish I had bucks. free to play games when I was a kid. You guys remember when you had to convince your mom to buy a sixty dollar box game? Yeah, Yo, like, kids these man. days don't know how good they have it. They just, <laughs> and then log you just on. Gotta... What do I want to play? Warzone, Overwatch, Fortnite, Fortnite Valorant. Yeah. Fucking you guys got a great Apex, Dota, League of Legends. Yeah. Whereas back then they had to like. I was just thinking the other day, I was like, how many times did I complete Ratchet and Clank 3? Was it 15? Yeah, yeah I think so. Seriously, seriously. I think I ran that Dude. game through. Oh, but, okay, okay, okay. Again, I want to I wanna, I wanna, I wanna stay focused because okay, we, you know, we, 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 we can always go off and chat anytime we want. But <laughs> the thing I want to talk about there, Jake mentioned actually uh, SK's video, which is, you know, it's great. I think it's a great video. Actually, I was I was helping SK in the back end of it. Like we have a little support group. So she was like, okay, guys, how do how do I market this video? I made this video. Tell me what I should do. Like, we, we, were, we were talking back and forth on like how to how to actually do the pr the presentation of the video. But the points she made were were very valid about just the comp system in general. So I thought that's something we can touch on as well. Just any current feelings you guys have about now that we're in Season 6, 
a lot of people playing. You, you know, Jaws, I think, mentioned like the, the large concurrent player base coming through now. So there's going to be more people playing now than ever. What is their experience going to be in what we think is now a, a competitive game, right? They're restructured, they're refocusing, PvE, competitive game. The Calm system, perhaps number one, but there are any other complaints you guys want to bring up as Custa slides out of you slow, slowly to show the cat? cat just uh, leave it like that. The cat can talk. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, well, sorry. Yeah, any kind of complaints did you say about the... Yeah, the I mean, system? I'm just giving a few strands if you want to go off this. There's the comp system yeah. if you've got any problems with them. Actually, maybe maybe let me uh, let Jake set the scene. Jake, you said you liked the SK video, and then I'll have Jaws and, and Custom maybe feedback. If you want to summarize maybe some of the key points that you resonated with, then we can get the opinions from the others on it. So what I really liked about SK's video that made it unique to me is that it was really like a high-level player perspective on Ranked. Um, and I think for so long, I feel like the general response to having complaints about the game as like a top 500 player is like, basically, you don't matter. There's like, there's only a few hundred of you. Um, and like, there's many, many more players um, playing at other ranks who matter more because there's more of them, which I think they're like, there's, and that's always been to me. I'm like, well, like, yeah, I guess that, that does kind of make sense. Um, like I can't argue with, with that in a way, but I think SK made this phenomenal point that I just loved and the way she phrased it was really intelligent, which is that this top of the leaderboard, top 500 or high GM or whatever, like as you get to those ends of the bell curve where there, there are very few players, that is like the dream, the goal, the enticement, the inducement to that makes you want to play ranked. Like the point of playing ranked is ranking up. And so the point of the whole journey is getting to the end. Even if you're in plat, if you're playing ranked and you're like, I want to make diamond, the reason you want to make diamond is that it is higher than plat. And the reason you want to make masters is that it's higher than diamond. And the reason you want, you know, right? Like this is the impetus to play the game is that it is a competitive game and you want to reach the highest level you can. And you want to keep pushing that, that level higher and by, by not addressing the concerns or not focusing on the concerns for high-level players who put a ton of time into the game and have gotten to that end game, basically, of competitive play and ranked, that you're, you're, you're like, reducing this goal, this dream, the, the reason to grind, the reason to care, the reason to love the game. Because even if you are in plat, the state of top 500 matters because that you have to, like, want that. If you realize, oh, it's just going to suck when I get to top 500, I don't even give a shit about that you might as well quit like like that right like if that's the impetus for playing the game it's it's true no matter where you are unless you're just i don't know like i feel like if you're playing ranked you're kind of implicitly caring about wanting to be a higher rank you know like if you really don't care then i guess you i mean like why do you even care about stuff like fairness like quick play is obviously not fair where there's like attackers have forever to push you know it's like whatever like it, and like you don't play both sides of the map like obviously that's not like balanced but you know, like, I just think, like, wh why even care about any of it if it's not for some sort of dream or goal or journey? And I also think that connects to the esports side where it's, like, that's the real end game, right? Is, like, you reach the high high levels of top 500, maybe you can, like, join a team and go pro. And so ensuring that there are, that, like, it feels good and it feels meaningful to reach the top is actually crucial for almost everybody. For anybody who who has a goal or a dream of reaching the, that level, it actually matters for them, even if they never will, right? Just because they have to 
they have to be chasing it and trying to achieve it. And so many of the changes that have come is this more kind of as he's saying in the video, so many of the changes that have come to overwatch two that might, I don't know, honestly, whether good or bad, but like they might serve a lot of the player base. They've also seriously devalued reaching the top. I think the biggest example of this is roll queue top 500 for me is like, okay, we're just going to triple the number of people in top 500. It's like, okay. So it's basically, it's like, drastically less meaningful we're also not going to show you your top 500 rank unless you like look at the leaderboard of your profile you don't get to it doesn't pop up under your icon like it always used to you don't get to see it in rank games because well private profiles but also like you just don't even see it unless even to the public profile somebody has to look at your profile right like there's no there's no emphasis on like it's like trying to de-emphasize rank it's like oh you'll feel better when you lose because it doesn't matter like we don't you don't have to look at it all the time which is like <laughs> It actually, to me, is crazy because it's like, why are we even playing ranked if you don't care? Like, you should get, it should be frustrating and upsetting to lose. And that's, in, in order for it to be meaningful for you to win, it has to be frustrating, upsetting for you to lose. You have to be risking something. You have to be, to make the achievement meaningful. It has to be difficult. You have to have struggled or else the achievement's not meaningful. It kind of comes back to what I was saying about legendary. Like, the challenge and the strife makes the reward. There's been a bunch of games I think that have shown this really well. Like I think I think like the the Soulsborne series is like the best example of this in gaming right now. Where it's like is incredibly difficult single player game, and just beating the game is like this incredible accomplishment. There's very little you can. I mean, you can do some things to make it easier. You can learn a lot about the game, but like it's like a huge accomplishment, and it's loved by gamers because it is so hard. Um, I think almost every competitive multiplayer game is the same way. Like reaching the top is very, very hard, requires huge dedication and competition and, and will. And like, that is a huge reason why people play the game at every level is that they have this ambition, this dream. And you have to, you have to make, you have to ensure people still believe in that and still want it. And as, cause as soon as people realize, you know, maybe the game's not even going to be that much more fun in top 500. Like, what am I, I'm not even going to like get some special reward I'm not even going to like, like so, the more they've been like, well, let's make the game really fun for people in diamond. And like, let's not worry too much about top 500. The more people in diamond are like, well, like why even play? So like, what am I, I what's the point? So I think you put those points really well. Uh, and I think another thing, again, so you mentioned the, just the leaderboard, the, the, the card system is something I know SK really has a problem with, which is like, you know, when you, when you're winning, you get the card and it's like, you only see your wins and then you don't know how far you are from the next rank up. So let's say you win four games in a row, ordinarily you've gotten hundred SR, maybe that new hundred SR is your peak and you're like, yeah, I'm in GM now, but let's say you lose on your fourth on your, you know, trying to get your fifth game, you start losing. You now scale back on the progress and maybe you derank or you stay the same rank and you miss seeing that progress that you made. So there's a lot of complaints and I highly recommend anyone listening to go watch SK's video if you want the full understanding of her POV. But Jake, I think, has done a really good job of kind of presenting the top-down POV. I'm curious if Jaws or Custa, if you guys want to speak for the, the more casual player or the more average player, if you feel like there's any points you disagree with what Jake said. I, I want to talk oh. about something else, so you go, Jack. Okay, right. I it, think like related, sorry. Sure. With Custer's like, I'm here yeah. to talk about something else. Can we just talk about cookies yeah. for a little bit of time? <laughs> I don't really care something about anything. Magic the gathering recently. Yeah. That's what... <laughs> yeah, I think I think dissolving um like the whole role top five hundred thing is like the one of the best things they can do for the rank system right now. It would be have it an actual top five hundred again, but also put a barrier to entry into top five hundred too. I don't think you should be because right now it's 50 wins to get into top 500. Don't know if you uh, don't know if anybody's aware like that's listening right now. It was 25 wins before. It's 50 wins now, which I think is a good thing. However, 
there are still fucking diamond players that have just grinded. Oh, and they got a top 500 badge, by the way. They got a top 500 badge. They're rank 400 right now. And like, that's not a rank 400 player. You're a diamond yeah. player. Like, you should not be in that rank. Well, importantly, they get to top... keep it as well. Like, that stays... Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, Which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Their, their peak in that season is just like, you were top... 350 because you like grinded 50 wins on the first like week and then top 500 get or like first two weeks in the top 500 game. Fun is, fact, guys, that's the only reward for getting top 500. You're done. There's nothing the you're yeah. gonna get. Right. Yeah. And there that's should it. be like you want. Like <laughs> it's over. There should also be stop a there should be a barrier where you have to be GM1 in order to be on top 500. Because that way again incentivizes people to actually get there. Maybe maybe GM five, maybe GM two or something, right? Depends on the player numbers. We don't obviously have the player numbers. No, just give it to GM one. Yeah, like yeah, right. GM one should be the barrier for entry, and then it also should be a combined leaderboard again. The whole idea of like having one thousand five hundred people at the top of the leaderboard right now is useless because you can get players that are far OTPs that have ten accounts in top ten on DPS. Ten accounts. And, like, that's insane. And, obviously, you can talk about how, like, good the regions are, X, Y, and Z. I know Jake's got a lovely, uh, lovely yeah, thought piece yeah, on I, that I one. don't think we touched um, that right now. Yeah. We don't think we touched <laughs> that right now. But, like, that, that is an issue. That will happen way less if the leaderboard is just 1 to 500, and also you need to be a GM1. If there's only 300 players in the first couple of weeks that are top 500, great. And also, like we were saying before as well, give them some reward. I don't really understand, like, taking away these small very small cosmetic rewards of the golden or like before it was like the map and it was like animated which was quite cool because there aren't many animated sprays in the game golden one as well was like pseudo animated and it just kind of was shiny give them like a holographic spray or something like that or a badge on your profile it's something that i thought about and actually pitched to the devs uh, a, few, a number of weeks ago it was a seasonal banner on your profile that displays your rank that you got to say you were 50 on dps or say you were top 50 on like the solo queue ladder give your give, give them a fucking banner themed one of like the cyber one from season one and it says G gm logo or like top 500 logo with 50 on it you know you finished 50 like give something on your profile that's not people just quickly going through your thing going oh okay yeah he's okay oh they were like diamond one like two seasons ago but now it's top 500 you know like Give, give us something that just like smack bang, sm straight shows people in a lobby that this guy's a good player or this person's a good player. Because right now, and it's, even with competitive points, right? Fuck all. Like I have 14K competitive points on one of my accounts. Like that's nothing. Give, give, them, give the top 100 players something to buy with those competitive points. You can only buy this charm or you get this charm if you reach top 500 in this season. Or you can get this weapon skin that you can use on all your characters or like only support characters or only dps characters but you can only get it if you're top 500 and you have to spend your comp points on it like just something extra i know league of legends a long time ago god this is for the fucking old head league of legends players out there I don't know if anybody remembers the challenger jackets um yeah i, I remember yeah, that was the thing. On a challenger season, jacket, right, yeah right. season seven or something of league of legends it was like you had <laughs> riot send challenger players actual jackets with the challenger logo on the back and it said season seven league of legends or something i used to know this danish guy that had two of those jackets like and it was like a bit of a fucking flex having two accounts in challenger which was a very hard thing to do and they've made it even harder too in league of legends like you really need to keep winning otherwise you're just gonna demote over and over again to the bot like to the tier below and you have to keep winning like it's hard to keep challenger and there's, there's so i know i'm going on a little long here and i'm sure, sure. making a lot of comparisons to league of legends but with like league 
when you have players like boot camping in other regions and they make top 10 and they're like, this boot camped player from NA made top 10 on the Korean ladder. Like, that's crazy. Like, that's really good for a boot camping player to do that in the first like week or whatever, right? And that's sick to see. You want people on the fucking timeline to be like, not to be like, this guy got 10 counts in top 10. You want them to be like, wow, this guy made um uh, made his uh, support you know he's a support player and he got to top 10 when it's filled with dps players right now, or like filled with tank players right now you want to make that also a big achievement for someone that is on in like a, a role that's not as dominant right now in the meta to get to the top 10 spot or the top five spot or something like that like there's there's so many like small things you could do that would just make that experience just so much better just so much better and it's frustrating to see them you know, talk about ranks and be like, you know, it is a very important part of the game because we're focused on PvE now. But it's like, make the rewards better for players. Like, very small, like, add weapon charms that are themed every single season of, like, a silver logo that has, like, a dragon going around it for season one or, like, the top 500 logo. And give us goddamn ranks back in the game, too. Let me hold tab and see those motherfuckers that aren't top 500 in my games or, like, a GM5 shitter that's taken honor off me. You know? <laughs> Just let I, me I, see I, that shit. I think a lot of these things have, the devs have said, like, I think they said they want to think about showing ranks again, um, and they're thinking about rewards and stuff. So these are things on their mind. And I think all the points right. you raise are really good. I think these are all really good things that dev developers should consider. I do want to be cognizant, though, and I I, I hope I, I gave you guys enough time in the sun to kind of get your, the, the support group, the therapy group, the get, your thoughts, get your thoughts out, Jake and Joel. I was like, man, I just fucking, I feel shit just being a tough hunter player and getting nothing for it. I don't I, know what I'm custom. I'm so mad getting flamed by like a GM5 player when I'm like top 50 <laughs> and telling them what to do. And they're like, just go on the cart, bro. I'm like, just shut like, up. I, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that. I want to see that clip surface of my timeline. But I'm playing tank. I'm getting like the most damage of kills on D.Va. And he's like, just touch the card, dog. I'm like, I am the only thing holding this game together. <laughs> okay. So, but I, I I wasn't sure. I'm not sure what Custom wants to say. And if, if you want to chime in, Custom, go ahead. But I was also just, yeah, curious and cognizant that obviously the system has pros and cons for everyone else too. And... Yeah, I'm just wondering if there's any defenders. Custer, are you a defender of any parts of the things that these guys are criticizing? Uh, here's the thing. Like, I I think the system is great for the bronze to probably plat players, where it's like a lot of those players love to say that, like, I know a lot of people who are like, I don't like playing ranked because it feels intimidating because of the old SR system when you were getting numbers, positives and negatives. That negatively affects people. Regardless of if you understand that, it does affect people. They don't want to play ranked because they don't like the instant negativity that they're getting from it. They don't get as much gratification from winning as they do from negativity of losing. So I understand why this system exists. But as Jake and Jaws have said, at the top level, take the safety rails away. None of you us give a shit about the safety rails. If you are at GM, then you have GM already surpassed. Or something. Yeah, yeah, you've already give surpassed that. And I don't want to, you know, step on any of the toes of Jake and Jaws' points. They've really hit the nail on the head. The one thing that I think really affects me is I think top 500 should be abolished, the idea of top 500. I think it's an archaic system that shouldn't exist anymore. I think we need to go more towards something like Valorant or Apex Legends where you have like Radiant or, you know, Apex Predator where it's there is all of a sudden a rank that is ascended past GM1 where you can almost... As I said, once again, take even more safety rails away. And uh, now we're looking at the nitty gritty numbers of every win and loss matters. The number of points you're getting depends on the teammates that you have, depends on everything. And it can be an infinitely scaling number because that is great 
for content creation. And that is a great incentive to get people to come in and play a PvP game and look at people grind. The issue we have right now is who was the last person other than the ten, top 10 EU leaderboard who was chasing a rank in, in, in content creation, streaming or putting on YouTube? People love that content. I love that content. I've watched Apex players push Predator rank. I've watched, yeah. you know, I've even watched League of Legends, people trying to push into Challenger. Same thing with Valorant. There needs to be this like premium rank that people are striving for that would incentivize people to see that, see that competition, see that grind. And that it gives you something to fight for and, you know, uh, compete for that isn't esports. It's within the game. And it's a system that you would be rewarded for just putting endless hours in. That isn't just a congratulations, you're top 10, top 500. 100 ranks behind you as a diamond guy. Like that doesn't make you feel any better in any way. So I think I've been saying this for a while. They just need to have an uncapped system. I will never forget Arteezy chasing 9,000 uncapped SR. Like what is it? The 9,000, they had an uncapped SR, MMR thing that you have to And these days, these days people are at 10K, 11K, like the top pros, like, 11k but, 12k like people were chasing for 9k can you imagine if they uncapped your sr at at the highest rank and they sort of gave you 5000 sr back and there was a legitimate way for you to get to 5000 sr race the first player to get to 5000 sr boom someone or does just, it and then and then you could go to 6k and I mean, then we like, go who's gonna right, go to like, 6k and then who has the number one rank every season that rank will get higher and higher and higher you don't do it with roles it's just whoever the fuck this guy's the number one support guy he's he's at 5000 sr the first guy support player to hit 5000 sr and then it keeps going and there's this endless grind at the top end that's not just about the personal player like i'm not going to be doing that kind of stuff so it doesn't matter to me I want to watch the Overwatch League players, the best players in the world, go into ranked and fucking try because they want to reach something. And I think that would gain, gain a lot of eyes and a lot of attention and a lot of respect for the competitive aspect of PvP. And that's I, sort of what I really hope we get to at some point. These days, as like a player Apex who did that, that, you don't want to and try Dota. anymore. Like, right? Apex yeah. and Dota have that. Like you were saying, the ELO in Dota, it just keeps on going, like 10k, 11k or whatever. Apex has got like the, the RP. It's just, you, there's a set boundary for rp at every level and you get out you're going you're fucking grinding or whatever you get past diamond and then you hit master like when when it hits master that's when the fun begins because it is just an uncapped number and it just keeps going up like you're talking like 20k 30k like uh rp warlords in queue just like destroying lobbies on their own but and then they end up being rank one so they have the R rp number and then they also have like a number on their pred profile thing that says oh they're rank 10 or rank one or whatever and it's it's cool to see that giant number and like oh my god you're like 20k like 15k <laughs> rp 20 30k rp that, that's ridiculous and it does separate it also separates the ranked warlords from the obviously players like there will sure. be an even bigger separation there, which is also a incentive for some of those ranked warlords. Imagine they're just a random ranked warlord right now. They reach top five. It's like, okay, cool. That's sick. But if you reach 20, I don't know, we'll use the old SR system. It's like, say it's uncapped and all the pros are playing around 5k. And then that ranked warlord hits like 6k. It's like, what the fuck? Like, that's insane. Like we don't normally yeah. see that kind of thing. And then eyes get drawn to him. Maybe he gets picked up for a contenders team and like, scouted for whatever like those kind of things also help the esports in a way in like finding diamonds in the rough if you hit rank one right now it's still an achievement it's still really good but it could be a whole lot better right well, rank one doesn't and mean I like i think frogger just hit sorry just hit, frogger just hit rank right. one on lucio i think it is but right like as much as that's a great achievement for him and it's the first time he's done it 
first two weeks of a season, a lot of the other support players, he's not going to hold that. If he holds that, then I'll fucking take my hat off and I'll, I'll fucking bow to the greatest Lucio bow to ever play the game. The yeah, I will bow down to the But realistically, as the nine weeks go on, he'll get diluted down, he'll lose a couple of games, and the real players who need to play 50 games will catch up and that kind of stuff. So that's why the rank one doesn't mean anything because it doesn't feel like he's hit this unattainable goal because it's just kind of, he's played the most games so early on in the season, right? Uh, he's still a great player, but he's not, you know, going to be able to hold that uh, top one. So it kind of like I, removes the value of it in a way. I, I yeah, just love, it like, I, I love how that thought started where it's just like, you know, rank one is meaningless because Frogger is rank one right now. So like, <laughs> yeah. right there, that should tell you. No, I mean, I really like that system. I really like that suggestion because I think what it does is actually solve the whole problem in a way because this frustration seems to constantly... It, I know there's people who are in the metal ranks who are equally frustrated with the system, right? They equally dislike not seeing their number go up and down granularly. They don't like the card system. But let's say the developers feel that is the best way for the, for the vast majority of the players. This is kind of like a happy middle ground where... We have the the safety net, perhaps for the for the average player who doesn't feel the negative feedback so strongly. But then, once we're at the you know let's say the big boy level, the the you know the big player level, now the you know the railings are off, and you guys don't have to deal with the frustration of, well, I'm GM one. How close am I to the next guy? I don't know. It could be fifty games. It could be five games. You know, it could be one game. Like I don't know. So like all these frustrations go away. So I think that's really good and elegant as is there anything else on that note you guys want to bring up before i move to the next topic which is just general game state just give uh, us numbers back as soon as you hit gm5 that just, yeah you're good yeah, enough or, at that or... point you have a, a, a state wise a stable note of what ranked player is stable past gm but like yeah. just a gm5 just give us numbers back because that would then incentivize players in masters as soon as you hit that gm it's like oh my god the number just appeared on my profile let's go like you're a gm5 and it's like and then you just keep ranking yeah up, you're you know? a grandmaster player we're gonna take, you should I like this idea of taking okay the safety rails with, off exactly for you should elite be okay players. with that yeah because yeah. the safety rails actually just hurt elite players it it's died. just like why do i even play this game like the reason if you're if you're grandmaster you're the like that's like the one percent right even gm5 is probably like what is that like the one percent of skill on the bell curve than maybe less than that probably. but that's uh, so it's like you are the person who's like super tryharding the game, you do not need safety rails. You're not. Oh my! I'm all right, 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 right. It's like, of course, you. you <laughs> that's <laughs> why you love to play is that addiction. But I want to sure. say, like, people. Yeah. The reason they did like the whole fifty games thing, I think, is because of like Yazan camping the top ten spots on EU or whatever, and people are complaining about that. If you had an uncapped system, people wouldn't camp anymore because it'd be like you know, like people are like grinding for the highest number now. It's like I'm gonna hit whatever it is, 6 KSR, whatever, you know, whatever. I, the numbers don't matter. You can make whatever number system you want, but having something uncapped that like, that you're striving for that is unlimited versus like, like EU is not, not a competitive region really when the, all the good EU players <laughs> okay, are in okay. Okay. to play. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. On that note, on that note, we, we, no, no, I, I appreciate that. That's like, you know what? We'll do a whole, we'll do a whole debate on that another time. The great region debate. We'll just, people, people we'll let you have it out. Who is like one of the best players playing on that server. That's the reason he can get top 10 accounts. Yeah. They wouldn't be nearly as incentivized. Like, what more can he do when he's ranked? All right, right, right. I'm just rank two and rank three and rank I'm four. I'm just gonna you clamp to down now, like Jake. That, uh, uh, a high end to chase. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'm just gonna clamp down because we've had a, a lengthy discussion on the merits of the top hundred system. I know there's plenty more to say, and again, I know we could go on forever, but I do want to be considerate of, of just kind of sticking to not taking too much of you guys' time. So on that okay. note, let's actually head over. So we talked about the comp system. Let's actually talk about how it feels to play, which is we got a new hero now. Iliari is now in comp. She's received some nerfs as well, which some people are unhappy about. Some people are think it's fair. 
I'll go to our resident support player first. Uh, actually, Jaws plays a lot of support too, so maybe maybe we'll go to yeah, Costa we'll, first. Um, he's not a one trick. So. He's yeah, exactly. He's an honor <laughs> player. He's an honor <laughs> lover. He's he's an honor lover. But uh, I, actually, either of you have you if you've been playing Iliari first of all, like, are you happy with the with the nurse? And are, do you have any complaints about or anything positive to say about the current competitive like balance state? I think supports are eating real good these days. I think the support roster is really good, like across the board. Like I was thinking like, who's the worst support right now? And it's like, it's probably Lucio, like in some respects because of like how much everything does. Obviously Lucio feels a niche, but like, I'm just talking from a ranked. Like, I think if you want to win the game, Lucio can be quite difficult, but everyone does a lot of everything. Even fucking Life Weaver. I've become a believer of the Life Weaver just because of how ridiculous his numbers are in the tree buff. But Going to Alari, uh, I in particular, I think anyone who played her, like I obviously haven't played her in scrims or ranked because she just came out to rank and I wasn't able to play yesterday. But she, her, her numbers are just ludicrous, like just ludicrous with the damage. So the nerfs felt pretty in line with where I think they needed to go. The turret was just doing way too much healing. Uh, when you pair that with how ridiculous the right click is, then you have the damage of Alari. Like, she's supposed to be a very offensive-focused support. So if you give her too much healing, like, she was doing the most healing and the most damage in the lobby, like, a lot of the times if you were a good player. And that, in my opinion, is just a problem. Maybe that was a product of quick play and uh, every, everything I saw. But even in the Overwatch League stuff that I saw, uh, like, I've seen some scrims and stuff, they're putting up DPS numbers. Like, they, they just are. So if they don't want to touch her damage... The pylon needs to get affected. And I think that's sort of what they were looking at in uh, in that respect. I think the nerfs are good. I think she's still going to be strong. People are still going to play her. Um, and I think she's just a really fun character, especially coming out of Lifeweaver, who was... I enjoy playing Lifeweaver, but he's not a skillful hero. Like, it, by many means. The movement is the hardest thing for him, but his heals is literally... You can just heal bot, and you get infinite value um, on that character, while... Another really high mechanical hero from uh, with Alari. I think it's a good good design. Her design is cool as well. She sounds cool. She's fun to play. Very Overwatch esque hero. So I got no complaints with her. Okay, Jaws, yeah, are you gonna are you gonna defend the Iliari and say no nurse nurse bad? No, I think that sounds about right. Because the the funny thing is when me and Scott were playing the other day, we spent like quick playing stuff. Scott is not doing any healing with right click because you just throw turret. You just hit the turret on the wall and it's very hard to kill if you kind of know like the uh, like the topography of like different points and the maps and stuff like that it's hard to kill unless you overextend or like find a flank route and then shoot it um and then it just sits there going boom 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 just perma healing and then you as a lari you just go on the flank shoot some people and then just use your shift to get away or like you're just sitting in the front line maybe behind a brine shield shooting away or like you know jumping in with a winston it's She's very strong, but like I think the reason why one of the reasons why she's very strong and has a lot of damage output is because you need to have good aim, and there needs to be heroes in the game that have a very very high skill ceiling and a very there's other heroes like Life Weaver who like Scott just said need you can just be a heal boy you can just throw out heroes you can grab your teammates you can just sit there throwing stuff out and it doesn't require as much skill as like Alari that requires a lot of that aim to get the most value possible with her and nerfing the turret and the pylon just put a little bit more emphasis on like using the right click and then getting damage down and like being a little bit more conscious because the um the pylon has left health now as well so it's destroyed a little bit easier like i think the nerfs were good for the hero and i think the hero is good for the game too because people love to be able to click on people and then they die you know like widowmaker boom headshot like ash boom headshot you know like it feels good it feels satisfying to actually get kills 
with Alari, but it does require a lot of skill to play as well, especially on, maybe not the pylon, but like, you know, the, the left and right click. It takes a little bit of time to actually get decent with the hero. And, but there also need to be heroes like Moira, for example, that are very easy to pilot. I'm and also all the nerfs. There's a lot of nuance to the pylon as well, because it has a 12 second cooldown when it's broken. So if yeah. you fuck that up, you lose a lot of your healing that is yeah. like valuable there. So it's not just this like, throw it and forget. If you just throw it and forget, and especially as people learn to play against Alari, like even in the two weeks she's been in quick play, all of a sudden people, the first thing they do, they see that turret, they break it. And that really hurts your healing output as Alari. And yeah. just you have to quickly... consider how aggressive you want to put the turret. There's like a bunch yeah. of decisions to be made. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to add is that the other part that maybe you guys don't experience a lot is that you're assuming your teammates understand the geography of where to play. When, when you're playing in ranks where like, People like your Doomfist is feeding and Giga feeding his brains out, whatever, yeah. like, or just, you know, whoever it is, your, your tank is like fighting in a place you shouldn't fight. Then the turret position becomes a lot more tricky because it's not necessarily a, this is a, this is the right spot in this area because the fight might be taking place 10 meters away from it. So there's a lot of nuance to it there as well. Jake, uh, we've, you know, we've had the support players give their say and it's like, oh, great hero. Do you, are you going to give me some spice from the DPS perspective to say, hello, wait a minute here, because, you know, we've been getting these supports, they're doing a lot more damage and more and more, and now us DPS players, we barely have a space left in the game, so are you going to give me some spice about the state of support? Here's what I want. Don't, don't like, keep making Babzen Iriari heroes who can, like, kill stuff on their own, can take fights, like, keep making those heroes, and give me more DPS that can heal themselves and heal teammates. Like, I'm a big believer in this idea that, like, like the the roles should like lean you a certain direction and sure there's gonna be like i don't know Widowmaker probably shouldn't be able to heal people right but like the more individual player heroes that there are that are like can can be self-sufficient and can contribute to the team in a in like a wide variety of ways the better like the more tanks that can like actually kill stuff like i think that's been like all the tanks have kind of been rebalanced that way where they're like really strong brawling heroes like there's very few there's not really any tanks actually who aren't threatening you know like like on their own and and the dps are i mean dps are, are like if anything dps is like the most static role it's like you just kill stuff and that's like usually that's the only utility you have some dps have like a little bit of utility you can use but honestly i like i'd rather see more of that on dps and keep giving more supports who like do their own damage like if i play support like when i play support i like i play like a ton of zen and bap because like i know i'm gonna like just kill stuff and win the game you know like i'm gonna heal too i'm not like a crazy person just like feeding and like not healing but like i want to be able to fight off somebody i don't like trust my teammates i'm not they're not gonna come help me like when the tracer comes on me i need to be able to fight the tracer like come on guys, <laughs> like, you're telling me oh yeah yeah my my dps are really good at marking the tracer like that is not happening uh, like realistically and so but basically, like, that's the nature of Overwatch 2, is, like, less of these heroes, like, like I think, like, Bastion or something is a great example of, like, over like old Bastion when he, like, sits still in the turret. is like, the most <laughs> one-dimensional hero. Like, he can do nothing except his role. You know what I mean? He's a literal turret. And, yeah. like, and like Reinhardt is like, I'm just holding the shield forever, guys. Like, good <laughs> luck. Like, you know, like, and, like, and I feel like that was the epitome of Overwatch 1 is, like, these, like, all these blocks that are, like, very, they're, like, cubes you know you have to like stack them all together to do anything they're like there there's no there's no uh uh flexibility other than when you combine them all together and make an interesting comp make a team comp but i think overwatch 2 is much more about each of these five players comes into the battle and can kind of fight and like who can 
like you know like yeah the dps are going to be a little bit better at fighting in these 1v1s are a little bit faster to break shields and the supports have like a little bit more utility and healing the tanks are like big and strong and like can probably win every 1v1 but maybe they have a little bit less mobility or right they're all like every character has strengths and weaknesses but they can all fight each other like i think the more stuff in the game that's like oh i turn a corner and there's an arisa and a sigma together I'm dead. Like, you know, like, like, there's no skill you can have in the game that makes you not die to that fight. You know, it could be gold players, and they're gonna destroy me if I'm playing like Cassidy against like old double shield or something. And I mean, that's Overwatch one example, right? But, but like, if you, th I think that's Overwatch two should be like is like going the other direction and should keep going that direction of let every character, like, yeah, they're gonna play team play stuff and contribute to each other, but they also have to be able to do their own thing. They shouldn't be a hundred percent relying on teammates. Um, as much as is humanly possible. I think I think having that individual playmaking is crucial. And if anything, I just want I want DPS to get the same love. I want DPS to have more utility skills, maybe some healing, um, whatever. Just just like some diversity. So if I'm playing DPS and like my supports aren't cutting it, maybe I can help my tank, you know, and like do something to help them with utility, right? Like that's I, that's more what I would want rather than saying you know stay in your lane support. It's like no, I want everyone's <laughs> lane to become wider and every every role to have like more options. Like I, that's why I love Soldier Seventy Six. Like having the heel pad is actually like a really. I was about to say, yeah, just heal the tank with the heel station, bro. Just, just yeah, yeah. But yeah, obviously, game, you know, which, which actually can work, and it's like that's yeah. like one of the sickest plays to make on Soldier when you drop the heel and you heal like three or four teammates. Like, oh my, it's like insane value, super sick play you can make on Soldier. And I feel like I and like I love Echo for that. You can like copy the support and like now I'm a support. You know, like you know, I think heroes that have those unique playmaking potentials, even Genji. Like I love playing Genji with Queen comps where I can like walk in front of my whole team deflecting as they walk up and it's like this huge value i'm like basically block it i'm like infinite shield for my whole team for two seconds you know like these like little little unique plays you can make that's like the heart and soul of overwatch for me and so i want to see more of that and that supports who can kill stuff on their own that's like what the support version of that is right, right. dps yep. can already kill stuff on their own they want more utility supports already have tons of utility and healing they should be able to do more stuff on their own um and I think, and that's already what tanks kind of have. I think tanks are kind of good in that section since the single tank has so much responsibility. You know, they need these really strong kits. So I, there's I like... think that's one of the big things. Sorry, as we no, go ahead. That's one of the big things that Overwatch and the dev team has done very well transitioning into 5v5 because Alari probably wouldn't exist in a 6v6. Like, think how bro double shield, you put the pylon down, you're also shooting through the shield with your teams. Bro, double like, shield would be that... even worse, bro. Yeah, it would be yeah, even would worse, die. right? And I think. If you look at a lot of the heroes that have come out recently, they could not exist the way they are in a 5v5 setting. So like, uh, sorry, in a 6v6 setting. It just wouldn't really make a lot of sense. And like the amount of freedom that the devs have in creating these heroes that do have a lot of damage and a lot of healing, like Alari, who has a lot of skill there with the aim and stuff, like those kind of things just aren't really possible in a game that requires two tanks, two DPS and two support with uh without roll lock or just you know either one by themselves you know like imagine if you could run two alaris on one team double pylon on the floor over there and then the rest of the team is just chill and then you're just like boom 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 just like one shotting people with two alaris like looking at one person you know <laughs> so the the ability to have this much freedom and like uh, creativity honestly and you got to give this uh the devs some props here as well the creativity of some of these heroes is just it's just crazy like it's really cool and like how diverse they are too in like their skill sets and what they require and what they do comparatively to their other counterparts on that role and like yeah i want i i like jake's idea yeah i've never really thought about it that way just give maybe dps a little bit more utility to help the rest of the team out you know and i i like the direction in which they're taking all these heroes and i like how 
different, like Life Weaver is compared to Alari because he is very much a heal bot. He does a little bit of damage, a little bit of so, like, you know, helping the team out, but not as much as like Alari does in terms of damage and like being aggressive. So I think you bring up a really good point, Jaws, and I think Jake also with some really great points that I think a lot of people who nostalgize about 66 forget is that on top of balance issues, it also is this hindering factor for what the devs can make and they spoke about it themselves that like yeah. if we keep with 6v6 if we keep with two tanks we're really limiting ourselves in like what we can make a hero do now to try and provide some counterpoint to jake's suggestion here is there two potential dangers one is the fear that i think overwatch 2 brought out for a lot of people anyways was like we're turning into like a fraggy shooter Call of Duty game. Like I didn't sign up for that kind of watch. I signed up specifically for the Team Harmony kind of characters. Like I like playing Mercy. I don't want to be the support who has to frag out to win a game. I, I, why, what's wrong in me wanting to play a character that just supports? And why would I feel, why should I feel like outpaced by, you know, let's say uh, Iliari who's doing both versus me playing my hero. Like that's, that's, I suppose the, that was the original vision, I suppose with the linear heroes, right? It's like, okay, you do your job. You just be the tank man and the other people can do the fragging out. The other danger is a potential homogenization of the heroes, right? It's like if every hero is like, okay, they do damage and they do healing and the DPS, they do damage and they do healing. And it's support. So it's like, where's the uniqueness coming? I guess you, I, I, I can counterpoint myself and say there are still uniquenesses within that. You can still have one character to deflect, one character has a hack, one character has a healing station or whatever, right? So there's uniqueness within that. But, people might argue that there's a homogenization if like all the characters are are kind of doing a bit of everything. So, Kasa, you haven't spoken in a while. Do you have any points you want to add to this discussion? No, I, I, I actually really like that idea from Jake. I've never really thought about that of like, let's just sort of like, you're kind of like blurring the lines a little bit more. Um, I think maybe this is a fucked up thing to say, but the idea that like people are like, oh, I just want to, you know, play Torbjorn and play it like, you know, hitting a turret in a corner. Like I kind of just like, we play Team Fortress 2 then or something like that. That's where the lines <laughs> are very linear and everyone has like their specific role in, in a lot of ways. But like, I, there is a percentage of people that want to play that casual, very simple game and just show up and have fun. And like maybe Overwatch is losing a lot of that. But at the end of the day, most people don't want that. Like, I, I think that would be a minority of people that just want to, like, do this little thing. And there are heroes if you still want to do that. And I think it's important they keep releasing those heroes. When they released Lifeweaver, they said, yeah, we understand this isn't, like, a sexy hero for a lot of your competitive players. But we understand that we need heroes like Lifeweaver, like Moira, like that, who are in the game to just be a simple, here's how you play the game and you just you just go forward. So... You need to you need to please a lot of different people, and I think that's what they've been doing really well so far in Overwatch Two. And I think DPS players probably feel like they're missing out the most because they have such a huge roster, and they're trying to keep everyone like catch everyone else up. That's why we've had feels like we've had so many tanks and supports just in Overwatch Two. So I'm kind of curious to see the first DPS character that they really release in the Overwatch 2 sort of like formula. Besides Soj, you mean? Or... Yeah, besides Soj. Like Soj is cool, but... Soj is yeah. cool, but she's also she's also pretty simple. Like, she doesn't do as much stuff. Like, I kind of want to see what they're cooking, like, when they do something different and unique with the DPS hero, where, like, they like can the create... May, you know... Yeah, they, where they... Yeah, when they give them something unique, a unique ability and stuff like that. So I'm, I, I, I'm hopeful that I think they're going in the right direction. And I... I don't know. Maybe this is a hot take. I think the game's fun right now. Like I've, I honestly enjoy playing it. Like I even, God, I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I have to come clean. About two days ago, it was like 9 p.m. I was bored at home, and I was like, you know what? 
I'm gonna go play some quick play and I played some Alari and quick play oh and I was like bro I would I That's it's crazy. been years since I played off stream in my own time to have a little bit of fun so like I, I think the game's fun Jake I, I want to give you the chance now to maybe elaborate because you know I pointed out a couple of things that people might criticize your point for but do you have yeah, the of... homogenization yeah I mean to that I'll say there's like four snipers in the game that like all do the same thing basically they have like a long range gun but no one i think really says that like ash hanzo widow and sojourn are like the same hero and they don't feel any different like i certainly play a ton of dps and i feel like those heroes feel very different to me even though i would say they're all quote unquote snipers it's just that like even within that archetype overwatch has proven that within one classic gaming archetype of the sniper overwatch has like these like very different unique takes that all just make different tweaks to it and result in these drastically different feeling characters because of their abilities, slight differentiations in how the primary weapons work. Like it just don't they don't feel like the same hero and it, and it feels meaningful to play one or the other. Um, and I think the same is true on on like support and and DPS and stuff like that. Um, you know, also it's like you can't really having like a DPS that is kind of like a support is like not an issue with roll lock because like, if anything, that's a really good thing. There should be... Because I think one of the best things they can do for the game is to make more people feel okay of playing all roles or more roles. Like, if you're a DPS player, to feel like, oh, you know what, I'll queue support too. Because, like, I, I can play BAP, Zen, Iriari, and, like, whatever. Like, having, like, a few good options on that role, not just, like, okay, I'm a DPS, uh, uh, like, hit a projectile player, I can play Zen. And so, like, you know, like, I'm just going to lock Zen. And then if Zen's bad, you're like, okay, I feel bad. I don't want to play this role anymore. Um, and so I think having a lot of options on those roles, while still, it's not like they're going to stop making, like, they made Lifeweaver. They have Mercy, you know? Like, they're not going to, like, take away the heroes that are, like, hardcore committed to doing one thing, you know? But I guess on Tank, they kind of have. But I don't know if Tank was ever that way. I think people... Like the idea that you're tank, I'm just gonna tank. I'm not gonna kill anything. It's like you're just bad at tank if that's what you're doing. <laughs> like tanks have always been like scary, threatening heroes in Overwatch um, that are like they're usually range limited, but they're quite scary inside of their range and like threaten threaten to kill you if you don't run away and escape them. Um, other than you know, other tanks who will brawl them and take those fights. Um, and so I think I don't know. For me, homogenization just doesn't feel realistic like can you name two characters in overwatch that feel like oh wow well they've started to get really homogenous now these two characters are feel the same it's like i don't think there are two characters like that um in overwatch really i think like in the end they have overlapping kits like sure i'm annoyed if i have like soldier cassidy on my team it's like a terrible comp but <laughs> it's not like those heroes feel the same to play uh, i think yeah it's like bad strategy i think that's a really good point you made and i think the other thing Again, I, I'm just I was just trying to play devil's advocate because the thing is the the other thing I appreciate about that ideology is that I think by having more sometimes having more limits allows for more creativity. I know that sounds stupid, but it's like, well, I mean the five v five example is a good one. It's like, well, one less tank actually means we can make more different types of tanks, and like yeah. having okay, we're not going to necessarily try and reinvent the wheel with every single support we launch, right? Or like every single DPS we launch actually allows you to make more cool little things and like give them one ability that's unique rather than trying to make a whole the way the character operates has to be super unique now because like we can't risk having another character who, who shoots with a gun they have to like throw smaller of like you know throw smaller characters at other people like that's the way they play now right like <laughs> by having like okay this is a support they shoot they damage but now here's like a util like there's a 
different utilities. So Iliari being a good example of like, she shoots, she heals, but okay, here's a turret healing now. Maybe the next DPS has like a gun, but then has some other utility that's unique to Overwatch. I think those like things allow sanity and creativity at the same time. Like when you when you completely unhinge, when you completely are like, just make this new thing. It's like the risk is that every new thing breaks the game. Like every new addition radically transforms the game in a way that cannot be like gone back on. Like, oh, we released this thing now. GG, like forever now, heroes can be able to do this. So like, I think that's another point to bear. I actually want to quickly ask, because I still keep seeing the 6v6 bring back 6v6. You know, 6v6 is better. Why couldn't we have, why couldn't we have balanced... 6v6. If you... Start of my Joker era. No, you started, well, okay. yeah. So, like, you're totally do you think... three wrong people about <laughs> Do you think, question. well, I mean, just, well, go ahead and respond. Do you think, like, firstly, well, is there any convincing those people? And, yeah, what would you say to them? Like, do you think they're lost causes or do you think we can convince them that, like, maybe 5v5? I, I, I think they in the are... same way... No, in the same way that they think that 6v6 is great is the same reason that we think 5v5 is great and we are both on our islands and I don't think you, there's ever a branch that can, uh, they, No one convinced. can convince the other ones. Like, yeah. I think... It, <sighs> It, it'll never cease to uh, annoy me, the people who are like, because we had the same conversation when Rolllock came in. People were like, they could have just balanced the game better. Like, why didn't they just balance the game so we didn't need Rolllock? The game is unbalanceable when you have that many variables. And like, you can, like, think about a Rolllock, right, as an example. How do you ever balance tanks that we don't stack tanks? People forget that before we had Rolllock, I would say what 80% of the time we were stacking tanks. I think we were playing it was three like tanks. Three, three tank was like a very common meta for very yeah. at the high level. Uh, player based distribution uh, yeah. was obviously mass uh, DPS. We're talking like obviously from a casual perspective, anything can go right, and maybe it is more fun to have no roll lock and play six v six. But we're we're top end competitive people, and I can tell you it was absolute hell. And I think five v five transition from six v six is the same thing uh, that i thought when we did hero limits when we did hero roll lock when we did this overall it just made the game better better because you re remove the number of variables that allows you to balance when you have two tanks every time that any meta ever came out when we were in six v six it was almost always defined by the two tanks that are the strongest at the time and then everything else was supplemental to those two tanks double shield ryan zaya all those types of things that was really the issue, and I think you were never going to get around that because the ideas of tanks in a game like Overwatch, as Jake said, you either make them completely useless, that makes them terrible to play, or you reduce it down to one. You can't have both because tanks are kind of overpowered in a lot of respects with what they have, and if you added two of them, then they're just never going to be fun because you couldn't balance them in any meaningful way. Yeah, I think... I think this is an interesting topic where well, one thing I think uh, I hope this convinces people. I don't know if people are really interested in having a discussion or thinking about this critically, but part of the reality with tanks is they all do AOE utility, right? Like that's literally all of them. That's what they do. Well, in Overwatch one, in Overwatch two, it's like I guess like Arisa kind of does it, whatever. But Overwatch one, you look at all the heroes. The the common theme on every tank is like range limitation and AOE utility. And so, what do we do? We like. We're like scary when you're close to us, but if you're far away and you're maneuverable, maybe it's harder for us to play. Right? That's like the tank strength weakness thing. But the problem with AOE utility is that it scales on more AOE utility. It's like a it's like an exponential scaler of of itself. So when I if I diva matrix, everybody who fits inside of my diva matrix is like being scaled by that, right? Like because I can matrix two players, 
I'm doing, I'm blocking, I'm, these two players can't take damage from hit scan and projectile, whatever, the stuff you matrix counters, then I'm doing like that much value. But if I matrix six players, I'm doing three times the value. And when my Rhine Shield blocks six players, I'm doing, you can't shoot anything except my Rhine Shield. And when my Zarya Bubble blocks six players, you can't shoot anything but my Zarya Bubble. Like, yeah, and so you create this inevitable balance flaw where like the only way to deal with these certain AoE utility stacks is other abusive AoE utility stacks. Heroes like Bastion is like the theory and like they they tried to patch May to like cleave people and 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 Reaper to have lifesteal as like a this sort of like maybe this will counter all this stacking stuff and the reality is that it's just hopeless because it's like even May okay well I have a Ryan shield you do nothing okay Reaper good luck life stealing on me you're shooting shields for 10 minutes like there was no way other than making a DPS that just like I don't even know what kind of absurdly overpowered stuff you put into the game to like one shot a stack of like three or four tanks standing on top of each other. I mean, like what like what possible balanced ability can deal with four tanks standing on the objective, pushing you off the objective, even if they can't kill you, they just cap and cap and cap and cap, and then they pop six ults at the end of the point to finish you off. Like there's like from a balance perspective. There's the reason people have nostalgia for that is they're like, I miss playing Winston Zarya. Yeah, because it was fucking broken. There's nothing <laughs> you can do about it. Like, what's the counter to Winston? Oh, it's like CCing him. Oh, well, how about now you can't CC him? Go fuck yourself. Like, you try to damage him, my Zarya kills you now. Like, like for every other hero in the game, other than like Arissa and Sigma, who are like, Yeah, I'll I'll break your Zarya bubble and then kill you. Like, <laughs> the only heroes that could deal with these like broken tank combos are other broken tank combos. And that's why, like what well, Custa said is true, that the meta is always defined by the strongest tanks, the most abusive combo of tanks, and then like, okay, we're gonna abuse you with this combo where my Orisa is gonna like halt you into Doomfist skills, into the Sigma Rock, and I've got Babzen killing you the whole time, maybe a Brig as well, just to keep us all alive. Like, like those the only counters to those those utilities were other tanks, and so a tank just became this role where like. We're trying to make them not synergize too well together because they're going to destroy the rest of the, the roster. And, like, how do you even do that? Like, how do you make heroes that don't work together and, like, that aren't, you know, it's, it's, like, not achievable. Like, how do you make Arissa Halt a balanced skill? It's, like, the most godly setup for what are supposed to be hard skills to land, like Sigma's Rock or whatever. Like, I remember the double shield meta was so stupid. You just get, like, hold the roll, only heroes roll, you could play roll. are, like, Genji, Tracer, and Doom because they can instantly escape the Halt. That's like yeah. the only viable heroes, or heroes like snipers that are like a mile. Or you just try and take it. the shield battle, right? Like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's exactly. the only or way. Or you right? just hard mirror, and you're behind your own shield, so you don't worry about the halt, you know. And so it was always, and when you nerf that, then it's some other tank synergy. Then it's goats, and like having all the tanks stacked up together is the most broken synergy. And there was never, or like never really, ways to deal with that other than your own broken synergy. So I'm sure it was a lot of it was like fun playing Winston Zarya and being like, I love seeing the other team playing fucking. Roadhog and Diva, and I just eat them alive, and they can't do anything to me. Like, yeah, I guess that is fun, but it's like it's like a terrible game mechanic where essentially we we all need to play a broken synergy, or else we can't have fun. You know, so, like there, there's a trickle down nature to that too. I think, and while on the surface of things, it only affects a small group of people, like esports people. Watching that kind of stuff is also so boring, like so boring. A year of go, I had a year and a half of goats because I did contenders then. Came to the Overwatch League, like I did a year and a half goes to ca casting goes. I was like, this is fun to begin with because it's very cool. It's very like chess, right? You're like, oh, they do this, they do this, then they do this, and it's like reactionary, you know? Like, I mean, I like playing Zen as well, so I'm like fucking shooting everybody. It was great. 
Um, but then obviously the meta lasted for so long because it was impossible to balance. And then you move into a situation where it's double shield and you're just sat there fucking M1 behind thing. There's a clip of you, Scott, on Paris where you AFK as Mercy because yes. you just hit right click on the Bastion. And then you're like, anyway, I'm going to get a coffee. I'll be back. Because the fucking Sigma and Arisha are just throwing their abilities and like Bastion's just shooting through double shield and they can't yeah, break wait. the hold, right? And I think that it has a trickle down nature on the on ranked as well. And this kind of leads back into our conversation earlier about like people playing ranked and maybe being a bit nervous and like wanting to play their own hero. When you do get to the highest levels, the only viable comps are the strongest ones, are the broken ones. And then you have to mirror those comps. So if you were playing in Grandmaster, for example, back in when Goats was a thing, you had to play Goats. Because if you don't, you just lose. Because everybody on that team, regardless of how good they are, if they're around GM, they know the expectations of their teammates and they know the expected outcomes of using X, Y, and Z ultimate in this fight. And then you go to the next fight, you use this ultimate. And there's, again, it's a... It's a bit of a, you don't a have silly to version the, of chess, the strategy right? to like win with goats right. against just other walk cops. At just them. like, yeah, touch you just the walk point. At them. Just yeah. touch the point. You don't even have to kill and that's the, enemy. the big problem. I'm on the point. What are you going to do about it? Like, yeah. Exactly. And that trickle down nature happens when players see this kind of gameplay and maybe they are grinding ranked, but they're grinding ranked in a in the metal ranks. They're like, okay, I'm going to make it as this hero. Like Genji's my favorite hero. Like I'm really good at Genji. Like maybe it's your one trick. And you end up moving up the ranks. And then you hit a brick wall where it's like, oh, I literally can't go any higher because I don't play deep or I don't play Zarya. Like, I need to be able to play these uh, comps because this is the most broken comp. And it just turns into mirror matches within ranked, not even like esports. And then there's no diversity. So people get bored as soon as they hit a certain ranked and they just kind of stop playing because it's like, why would I want to play GOATs every single game? I'd rather be... And using a, a modern example, like right now, I'd rather be in a rank system where me personally as a support player, I feel like there's a ton of things I can actually pick. I don't have to just pick Zen. I don't yeah. have to just pick Lucio or so, Brick or Diva. Or, so there's every role. I think I there's think a literally bit, every role. Every role. Ranked is, is pretty balanced. Right I think yeah. the game right? is actually drastically and, more balanced than it ever was in 6v6. I agree. And that it was after like a first year of the game when no one understood the game. Impossible. Just new broken thing one after the other. Exactly. And I was a big proponent of like, hey, just keep making new patches on 6v6 and we'll just make a new broken comp every every four weeks. And then like, as long as we do like a big patch that like destroys the meta every four weeks, I was kind of like, okay with that. Honestly, yeah. like, who knows? Maybe that would have been fine. But I just think, I actually think, you, you say that the game's impossible to balance for like ghost stuff. I don't think it is. I think the devs just didn't have like the spine to do what's necessary and be like, Oof. like, look at Brig. I mean, Brig, they did like, let me just, are you going to have 200 less shield? Like, <laughs> like, Goats will be fine if Brig just has 200 less shield. Sure. You know, but he's, maybe she'll lose way harder 5% of her healing. Maybe no, but I think that what they, if they, if they, if they like wanted to not do roll lock, it would have been like, okay, Zarya, energy decays twice as fast. Diva Matrix half as long. Reinhardt down 500 HP on the shield. Brig half the AOE healing. Like, like that's you just do that patch and like okay, that potentially yeah, kills the fun of all those characters outside exactly. of ghosts and that's you, why it's you have impossible to be to balance, willing right? to do that and you have to be like okay these heroes have been hard meta and they're dominating the game we're deleting them like and then <laughs> six months later you're gonna buff them again like like that's like the the world you're living in in 6v6 that's the best <laughs> you can do is just change what's broken really often you have no hope of making a meta where there's nothing broken I love the idea of Jake is just like some 
Ulrich Thanos figure where he's like, I was willing to do what no one else was willing to do. That's <laughs> that's why they put me in charge. I was willing I was and willing the, to snap the her. As a consultant but, snaps Mercy out of existence. <laughs> but there's like two like, like, honestly, there's like, I would have buffed Mercy during goats. I would have buffed make Farah do like fifty percent damage resistance and she can't be stunned out of yeah, Raw. He's a fan of Yeah, yeah, So so here's here's two points I want to bring up now. Here's two points I want to bring up. This will be like our last topic before we go to more concluding thoughts, which is just like so we've kind of talked about supports and dps but like tanks have been mentioned a lot in this discussion with 6v6 but there's a lot of discussion right now of them in 5v5 and two things that kind of come up is like it's not fun i hear this a lot like tank is not fun anymore a lot of it comes down to the counter swapping thing which you know i i personally was like on that vendetta for a long time and and like it feels like people are really frustrated with the whole need to like they pick this i have to go this they go that so it's like any, is there anything to say there and also i've seen Amongst the pro level, a lot of discussion about, well, the homogenous or the just the, the propensity for people to always be running Winston and and Winston I, being like this annoyingly dominant tank. Um, so, yeah, any words on tanking? Is it fine? Can it be helped? I, I think the problem with tanks fundamentally is that there are situations in the game where you just can't play it. If your DPS and your supports aren't really having that level of value, like... You can do absolutely nothing. Like you, and you are the one at the front of the line who just gets absolutely wailed on. You just fall, and it like is a very masochistic type of feeling. But the problem, on the other hand, and actually, I'm going to bring up a recent ranked experience because Jack was there when oh. I was mulling out of control. We had a Doomfist who their their Doomfist was just carrying the fucking game, and I think Doomfist is like yeah. the easiest way to carry you in a ranked game right now if you, like the other team doesn't know how to deal with you. But he was like. 1v4ing our team, like creating problems, all that kind of stuff. He goes all the way to my spawn. He kills me in spawn ults, drops down in front of my entire team, in front of spawn, gets absolutely nuked and dies instantly. And he's like, fucking cosmetic character. Doofus sucks. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm like you're in our spawn, guy. bro. No yeah, one else can do so this. Stupid. And you still got your one. Like, I don't understand. And like, I so I think tank players so exaggerate a little bit, especially right now with fucking Arissa, who has gone back to the unkillable yeah. status of like, I think it sucks if you want to play other tank heroes in certain time. If you want to play Roadhog, you want to play Reinhardt, sometimes you just can't play those things, especially it's when really a character... really bad to be a one-trick right now yeah. on tank. Especially like, when Zenyatta really exists. Bad. Zenyatta really hurts tank players, so especially certain tank players' ability to play the game. So I understand the frustration, but I also think there's another side of the coin where tanks also go from being incredibly useless to incredibly overpowered. And it's like a balance that is always seesawing, I think, back and forth. Jules, I, yeah, I I'm curious the, if you have... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Jake, if you have something to say, because I was going to ask Jules, because I know I think you were talking about the whole Winston debacle and, and the dominance of Winston, but also as a Zen player, maybe you have something to add for your own POV. Um, honestly, yeah, it's it's difficult to balance tank. I don't, again, it, balancing a game to perfection is impossible. There, there is impossible. no way. You, no you are just, PvP game. Yes, balanced. any PvP game like Apex or League or Valorant or whatever, right? There's no perfect way to balance a game, especially not when you have three different roles that do varying different like uh, a support does a lot of healing damage does a lot of damage tank they absorb damage but then also you need to do damage to and create space like it's very hard to balance these kind of uh games because there are so many variables etc and i just while i don't think the game is um ever going to be perfectly balanced you can pick whatever tank 
I think just having moments in seasons, because we get the big season patch, and then we get the mid-season patch, where Tank is very good right now. Like, at the start of Season 6, Orisa is unkillable. But that doesn't mean I get to play Zen. And I get to shoot ahead sometimes in Discord, which is kind of fun. Um, but then Doomfist right now, even with those small buffs that he got, is very good. It's he, he a very good character for carrying Solar Cube. Solar Cube, funnily enough, it's not organized at all. Even at like the top levels, it's, it's very much, if you can just carry, you can just carry the game. Like, that's fine. You can just go do that. Um, so if, you, if we just keep patch cycling, and it's like tanks are very good right now, these picks are very good. Now DPS is going to be very good, or supports are going to be very good. If we just keep having this kind of small mix-up through the different patches, great. Um, but when you do get to the pro level, and the reason why Winston is so good is because he is very versatile and he can survive a lot of damage, especially when you hit the primal, you know, and like the ability to play around bubble, like pro players, people like Fearless are just, just Gooshway, et cetera. Name any of the Winston gods. They're just so good at taking the character, just such a, a granular level and getting value out of every single hit point that they have. Like you're never going to be able to satisfy this kind of need for another tank to be played because they're so good at just eking out every small advantage and maybe you should be balancing for the top end and maybe nerfing winston a little bit but for the greater good of the game in, in this sense um you don't really want to nerf winston too much because then well a lot of people that just enjoy playing winston when they jump on every now and then like they're gonna it's gonna feel a little bit bad but again just patch cycling i think is going to be the best way to solve these kind of things I don't have a problem with Winston being very good, but I know a lot of the pros too because we've had Winston for so long. But... I don't think I've seen a Winston in ranked this whole season. No, it's just Doomfist. It's Doomfist in yeah. Orisa because Orisa doesn't die. Jake do, you, Jake, do you feel like, I mean, do you agree with these points and any last word on like tanks before we move to concluding thoughts? I, I think the the challenge with tanks is twofold where it's like, or rather it's like, a, you know, you can't, you're, you're going like two ways on a spectrum and you can't, please people inherently with the nature of the spectrum and the spectrum is how balanced are the tanks if the tanks are actually pretty balanced in terms of like they're pretty like consider like they're like none of them feel much better than the others and in general if the heroes are like that then that will create an environment where you counterpick each other and like i think that's like what i it seems to me the number one complaint i hear from tank players oh i just we're just counterpicking each other it's so boring and it's like yeah, that's because they're kind of balanced. So, like, the tanks that are good against each other, you would play them, right? Like, if you want to win and the enemy goes D.Va, you, maybe you should go, like, Zarya, you know? Or, like, heroes that interact favorably with D.Va, you know? Like, I like playing Doom and Zarya against D.Va, you know? Like, like. so my point is that the idea of, like, oh, we just counterpick each other over and over again. Okay, that means the tanks are kind of balanced. If you want to not counterpick each other over with them, let's make Arissa OP. You just don't switch Arissa no matter what. Personally, I feel like playing ranked. Um, when I play against Arissa, I can play like Sigma or Zarya and just like I'll play them and just do more damage, which is like kind of like counterpicking the Arissa. If they go on my teammates, I'll bubble them. Like it feels really easy to win that matchup, honestly. And same for Sigma, I just like stand there and poke trade. But I also have to think about all the players on their team. Like if they're on Arissa with full dot with like or full poke heroes like Babs and I might have to play Doomfist and like try to carry that way and, and go on backline because my team has bad picks and I can't do like a poke mirror. Um, and so I do think like the reality is that that by the tanks being balanced, they will inherently counterpick each other as like, or that it'll be, it'll be competitively advantaged to counterpick each other. If you want to just play Doomfist, you can just play Doomfist. But it's kind of silly in my mind in a game like Overwatch to complain about getting counterpicked. It's like that literally is the game. I think for a long time, 
in Overwatch One, you didn't have to counter big because you just locked the broken heroes and like there's no counters because your team comp is so strong. Like maybe you have to switch your hero, but like the rest of your team comp stays the same, you know, or or, well, or the, like the... oh just get your teammate to switch one thing and then you're fine. Well, the argument is though that that doesn't apply to the other roles though. You don't have to. You don't get counterpicked as hard on support. Yes, you do. You're like, just you don't... bad at the game if you don't understand. It's just more obvious, uh, I think. Well, yeah, I, I actually think because there's a lot range. of counter swapping with support. Like, I think there's yes, a lot yeah. of like, yeah, you you really need to think about the other because like you can't play Zen everywhere. Like, you know, if they have a good Doomfist. As much okay. as you're like, I can discord the Doomfist. If the Doomfist is good, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm gonna die. I have to play Arno. I have to play Brig. Something that at least has some form of counter to that character. Or, you know, like, you need to play faster characters. I think there is counter-swapping. I think tank is by far the most, uh, the role that needs the most counter-swapping because you just lose the ability to play the game against certain characters. But I think there is swapping on every single role. Um, and I think it's yeah, better think for the game. Tanks as just said, 1v1 you don't want each other the most. But yeah. Tank, tanks 1v1 each other the most because they're close-range heroes and they're, like, typically mobility-limited. Exceptions are, like, the dive tanks kind of, they can ignore each other a lot of the time and go on each other's backlines. But, like, Everyone on the team should be counterpicking everyone else on their team. I think it's just a concept that people generally don't understand because, like, the general level of understanding of Overwatch is actually, like, really low from the competitive perspective of, like, min-maxing the game, where the way, like, pros think about the game is, like, people don't, like, every single hero on your team is counterpicking every single hero on their team. Like, that's the reason some metas do get stagnant is because those heroes are both good against each other, good with each other, like there's like internal synergy and they can they're like good in the mirror matchup in a in a in a strange way where like they're they're the best picks to play together and they're the best picks to play against the same heroes on the enemy team. Um like on a brig, like EMP and pulse bomb are actually the basically the only ways you can consistently kill those heroes. Like other than you could play like an extreme poke comp or like a Ryan Rush comp, right? There's like certain comps you can play that can like beat certain other comps, but um I think people just don't understand that stuff. And then on tank, it's actually pretty easy to understand. Oh, I'm on D.Va, and this sorry is just, like, left-clicking me through my Matrix. That's bad. Like, I'm countered. I have to switch. You know, like, people, I think, can figure that out much easier. And so it doesn't feel... And so it feels obvious, and they realize that you got to counterpick each other um, because you end up 1v1ing all the time on tank. Or just, you're, you're, you're the front line, right? So you end up front line pressuring each other and feeling like, wow, this guy's rolling me. I need to switch. Um, and on DPS and support, I think it's just as relevant... It's just that, like, you don't realize you're the reason your team's losing because your hero's wrong. You just don't know that. You haven't figured it out. That, like, you playing on Zen and dying first on... Well, some of them are pretty obvious that if you're dying first all the time, you figure it out. Well, But some heroes are like, oh, I'm not doing enough damage to this enemy's Reinhardt. I need. I cannot play Brig. And it says, I need to play a Bap or a Zen and do more damage. Or else we're never going to break that guy's shield. You know, like, those types of things. People just don't realize. And they, they're losing because of that. But they don't actually just know it. And the tank is just, like, more in your face. Like, oh, wow, this other tank is just shitting on me every time I see him. Maybe I need to change. So if, if anything, it's, it's the same across every role. It's just that it's it's actually obvious on tank. And so more players are aware that that's the reality of the game. But if you watch, like, I don't know, when I play the game, I always get, I'm, like, mad all the time. When I, like, either I'm, like, having a better team comp. Either, the court. I'm, I'm mad all the time. <laughs> either, either I have a better team comp and I'm, like, winning for free in my perception. I'm, like, oh, we have a better team comp. We're just going to, like, win easily. Or... Wow. Okay, I don't know how the fuck to win this game. I'm like, our team comp's hard countered, and there's nothing I can do to make it better. I just need my teammates to switch, and they won't switch. Oh, fuck it. Like, just do whatever. Well, I'll I go think this and YOLO. The the point I was gonna bring up is I think that like, 
what you're saying is correct, but the perception in many ways can be as good as the truth because if the other players on your team don't recognize that like they need to swap too, and they like I think a lot of the tank players, their frustration comes from the fact that everyone in the lobby knows the tanks are the ones getting countered, so they also blame them the most. Right? So they get the burden people, of like people think about the tanks on a one to one level and they don't realize every hero is actually on a five to five level and it's just like the most obvious for tanks. So maybe the tanks feel like the blame and the social pressure. But that's actually the way the game is for every hero. Other people yeah, but like, that. I think the thing, the thing is like, you know, the whole swap X. I just think that that experience of playing is probably the worst. Even if even if the other roles should, if they were going to optimize, yeah, be counterpicking too, right. they don't do it. And so the experience of playing is, well, I, okay, they're doing this. So I need, my support should swap to Kiriko right now. Oh, they didn't. I'm getting yeah. fucked. I'm on the right pick, but I'm getting fucked and blamed for it because the other people won't do the thing that's needed to do. So it's like, I think that feeling of like, I'm getting fucked and nobody seems to care and want to help is, is what the frustration of the tank player is probably. I think we've all seen a Lucio player who's like red at Lucioing and he has a lot of damage and very low healing and then they're like, tank gap. And you're like, bro, yeah, man, yeah, 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 heal me or you went yeah. something useful, then we would like, we like, this would be like a problem. And that's sort of it. It's like people don't really look that many layers deep all the time. It's just my tank's getting owned, but don't think about the reasonings why. I just think it might not even go that deep. I just don't think people care enough. I, yeah. And I just, and you can also just, you can't, in a way you can blame them for that, but in a way it's just like, they don't care enough. They don't care enough. I mean, dude, there's a reason why there's so many fucking one tricks in ranks because they just don't care enough about the grand like plan when you rode into a ranked game and you're like, I want to win today, but I'm only going to play Sim, you know, on <laughs> Junkertown. You know what I mean? Like there, there's no like, there's no, well, there is a, a line of thinking there, but it's just like, I just want to play this hero. I just don't want to play anything else. Which uh, is, yeah. That's what I feel like playing right now. And um, if it ends up hindering my team, then I don't really give a shit. Like, you know, that's a lot of like, uh, one tricks you can name literally any role any one trick on any role uh, there's doomfist one tricks mercy one tricks sim may like zen like any like literally any hero that you can one trick will be bad at some point or another it'll be really good at some point or another but it's also going to be terrible but like you can't you just <laughs> they're just people I will online, say though, like nothing makes just... me more satisfied than hyper getting my team to play some like hyper counter strat for a one yeah, trick player it feels like, good i, I, I <laughs> played a game with a reinhardt one trick and we got rolled and then i avoided them and the next game we played like arisha bastion bab zen and yeah. i was like i was loving every goddamn second of that game I'll tell you what. <laughs> like playing bastion Jake is so evil and, like bro. My, Jake is my, so toxic player. Yeah, it's legit. 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 We can get we can get such a good compilation from just this podcast alone of Jake just being like, when I play ranked, I'm mad all the time. I love fucking this guy over. I just love fucking people over, man. So, yeah, I mean, these are all really, really uh, awesome. I think uh, needed discussions. Uh, hopefully, you know, when when more discussions like this are had, people might understand the perception. The perception can change if more people understand that, like, hey, actually, you should be thinking about your, like, the entire team's comp, not just the tank. Obviously, there will always be the eternal conflict that Jaws mentioned of, like, well, some people just play the game to play their favorite heroes, and that's, like, that's, that's the their majority. form. I, I think that's the majority of Yes, yeah, I think so, too. I, I think that I is the vast think, majority of people. And I, I like your point, and, like, I hope people kind of take that information in, but they won't. They won't. No, and that's, and that's fair, is, too. That people it, maybe you, the game you know, maybe way. you're going to change a few people's minds, but in general, I just don't think people really care enough to make changes. I I don't like getting on teams with one tricks because it, especially support one tricks, because it forces you into a role that it's like 
I know Zen is good here, man. I just know it is. And or like I know Bab's really good here, but I can't well, I have because a Moira. I've got I'm extra, like, yeah, yeah, I have a Moira OTP, like I have a Mercy OTP, I have a whatever OTP, right? And it, it is frustrating for like players like myself, Jay, Costa, whoever, who do want to get into a game, but then I I also sometimes get in, you know, when we were playing the other day, Scott, I'm like, I don't care, bro. I'm just gonna play Zen. Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I just well, wanna play yeah. Zen right now, you know? And sometimes it does end up working out and that's great. But then obviously maybe it's not the optimal pick, but there's a lot of variance that goes into ranked as well, which also then feeds this kind of internal, like, no, I was right. Like I was right for making this pick when it, in fact it was categorically false. I just don't so think you can ever load into a game been... where like, a problem yeah. since the beginning yes like it's yes never it has. yes some players want to You're like play a good an optimal strategy that is like this is a good map for a rush comp guys let's go rush comp and you're like no i play far only and it's like yeah. okay well if that's a valid way to play then like why can't i just grief every game i'm in like you know what i mean like so personally well, i'm i'm I mean, this i am fucking toxic realization if it's like a really bad I, i'm not it's not a realization i know this it's like if i get a, a one trick player and who's like it's like i'm on tank let's say and i get like a one trick player who's playing a, a hero that's like terrible in the spot terrible in the map you know and we're like gonna lose because like like i was loading into a game on circuit royale and i have like people just lock in on a mercy and i start sigma on circuit royale because i'm like okay well i need to play sigma on circuit royale it's like super good here we need it and then the enemy's the team is playing sigma they're also playing double sniper babs in and we get vaporized because yeah. we have no damage on support and so i'm like all right i'm going doom like yeah we're gonna get rolled i know we're gonna get rolled i know our comp's garbage but like i'm not gonna fucking play the right hero if you're not gonna play the right hero like, you want to play farmers? All right, I'm playing Roadhog. Like, yeah. It, like, what's different about that? What's like, even though I'm the one who I know I'm griefing, but like, <laughs> what are you gonna do about it? I'm doing the same thing you are, and like, so how can you <laughs> criticize that? And so, yeah. my point with that is just like, this is antisocial behavior, and so you can't have one person doing antisocial behavior and not expect and expect other people to be like, sure, man, whatever you want, bro. It's like that's not human nature. Is like, fuck me, no, fuck you. Like, yeah. that's, that's human nature. Like, no one's gonna be like. <laughs> Oh yeah, thank you, Mr. Instalock, Farah, and Lee Boys. Yeah. I'm gonna Bro. totally go along with your grand plan. Dude, like fuck SVB, Farahs, we need Asbos in ranked. Asbos, nobody <laughs> from the UK, we need Asbos in ranked a hundred fucking percent, bro. You just slap a badge on their profile, says Asbo on it, and boom, you know they're the troll, bro. You know yeah. they're troll. I, I think for me, the funniest thing, especially when Jack and I duo, because Jack categorically will never play Mercy because he just fucking yeah. despises that hero. But then every time we have a fire player who locks in and they're like, play Mercy. I, if you ask me to play Mercy, I won't do it. I, yep, if you true. go Farah, I'll think about it and I'll be like, no, I'm not going to play that or because it's not the good map. But if you ask me to go Mercy, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to feed your one trick and conform my gameplay just to I'll play, play your shitty gameplay. That's yeah. it, bro. Yeah, like fuck it. I'll life weaver. Yeah, yeah. Be in the air. I'll I'll got you, bro. I'll, I'll get grip you, you, buddy. I'll grip. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. If, if you're if you're need a mercy, you're not a real fire player. Real fire player is like, no, go cure, go go Ana, go Brig. It's fine, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah bro. Some, true, true, true. Some aim just locking my way. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. don't play like Bab and Moira. I'll be cool. Like you know, like, yeah. whatever. Just give me some range. Like yeah, I, 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 I feel like people <laughs> have a crazy mindset if they think you can just selfishly pick whatever you want and expect the game to, like other people to also play what you yeah, want it's yeah. like all right if you're gonna play a bad hero on this map why why, why would i play like a hero i don't want to play these heroes. i want to play the sort of thing i think people should be able to agree on is like okay at least we can play a comp that is like good here together yeah they're like i don't really want to play bap i'd rather play zen but like well it's a map we should like it's king's row and we're gonna play like a rush comp well i'll go we'll go bap and lucio or whatever or like some sort of decent comp and like kind of come together but when I load into King's Row and somebody insta locks Farah, it's like, 
fuck it, dude. Like, let's just do whatever. Like, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> spite spite is definitely spite is definitely one of the greatest motivators in gaming. I, I I've really been there is. too. I was like, I was playing Iliari the other day, and we were like playing Li Jiang Tower, and my other support types in match. He's like. You know, we should really go far. Mercy is broken here, and I was like, "By that we, I hope you mean you, because I'm, I'm not, I'm not switching, buddy. I hope you're talking about yourself." But okay, I've taken quite a bit of you guys' time, so let's head over to concluding thoughts now. Let's talk about the rest of season six and what we kind of come to expect, what we're hoping for. We're still yet to have like hero masteries. There's gonna be a mid-season balance patch. Who knows what? Maybe some other stuff they're cooking. So for the remainder of the season, guys, maybe we'll get to talk. Hopefully we'll get to talk again. But if we don't, what do you want to see get released for the rest of the season? I'll start with Jaws. Jaws, go ahead. Oh, oh God. Jesus Christ. I, we're not allowed to say hero arteries, right? So I think that's going to be kind of cool. Like, I don't know. Um, what do I want to see launched? Or just different. Like, maybe you're like, oh, I really would love to see them change give us this. My goddamn ranked back on my goddamn profile thing in game, bro. Just give me my little symbol that says, oh, your grandmaster, whatever. Oh, your top 500, whatever. Just give me that, bro. Just, oh, it's, it's crazy when you watch someone stream and you're like, are they playing ranked? <laughs> I can't tell. Yeah. Because I can't see the rank on the bottom left. I know, like, Boger and stuff, he ends up putting, like, a little PNG of the of the ranked logo to well, be ranked. Boger so has a funny thing because he'll, he'll be playing, like, Life Weaver. And he yeah, will literally right. write in giant letters that he'll be like, Master 4. And then people right, will come exactly. in and they'll be like, Rank? What's the rank? It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's there, fucking giant letters. But yeah, anyways. If the, if the, the, it's the smallest thing in the world, but honestly, just back on your HUD. Just give me the bottom left little rank symbol. Like, that would be my just small thing. All yeah, right, honestly, fair nothing enough. Nothing on the universe tilts me more than, like, being the highest. I mean, like, I learned, like, a GM3 game, and I'm, like, top 50 or something, and it's just, like, somebody is, like, arguing with me about how to play. I'm, like, I'm done, man. I'm done. I swear to God, having the rank that people can I'm, see. I'm clipping this one, too. Seriously, change that, because it was, like, if people see I'm the highest rated player in the game by, like, a 1,000 SR, they'll actually listen to me, because... Like, yeah, I am a lot better, yeah. right? Like, and, and honestly, I think that is like really valuable when you're, but again, this is like a problem that I feel like they don't address because it's only true. Like you don't get games with variants like that unless you are the very, very top players. Like, right? Like there's just, it's, if you're in flat, you'll never get a game with the variants like that. That's like the equivalent of being in like, in terms of skill differential, that's like being in plat and playing with like, like a silver player or something. You'd be like, what the fuck? Like, you know, like this is really bad. Like. The silver player is like flaming me. Like, all right, I'm, I'm <laughs> like, so I, I think having at least maybe if it's you can make your profile private and like people can't see, like, whatever, I don't care. But like, let me be like, trust me, team. Let me have a symbol to be like, please listen to me. Like, I, I play this game a shitload and I can help us win. It's like a low rank game. I can be like, I can like try hard and help our team win. I, I generally will try, but it's like, it's so much more disheartening to like be like fighting a battle to do that versus having some sort of like, please trust me, guys. I'm like the highest rated player in the game. I, I can do a lot if you listen to me. Like, I don't know. I feel like maybe that's part of why pros are like no one's calming anymore. Maybe that's also due to the things you talked about earlier with like all the issues with the rank system. No one seems to care that much anymore um, no about getting getting oh, high rank. So yeah, like pros barely calm. And it's like that that is the biggest thing I miss about Overwatch is like when you get high rank games where everybody's tryharding. And I feel like they don't happen anymore because there's no real reason to try hard anymore and so why not just like 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 I, it's hard to blame people really it's like i think the system has to change rather than expecting people to be different 
yeah, easier to change the system than to try and change the entire mentality of everyone who plays just somehow organically. Like, how do you even? One is possible, one is not possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do love that we got another one for the compilation. That we got like, why can't I grief every game? And it's like, if you don't <laughs> listen to me, dude, I'm done. I'm not even playing. I'm not even playing. So we the J compilation will come along nicely. But Custa, round us off then. Your additions maybe for the last for the last remainder of the season. I don't think we need any more additions for season six. I think Hero Mastery will round it out well as long as the mid-season patch is is in the right direction. I think that's huge for the game. And I think this if this season six becomes a staple of every two to three seasons, and then you fill that with like a map and a hero here and there and stuff like that, I think the game's in a great state. Uh, I think this podcast is a great example that, especially probably with uh, other people that you usually bring onto this podcast, is like, we're very hyper-competitive, top-end focused. And you can see there's a chasm between what we want and what the lower-ranked people want, and that we're never going to agree on any of the things. There are middle grounds, and I think that's what the, the developers are trying to navigate through and trying to please both people. For me, the one thing I'm looking forward in the short term that I want to see change is the little things that Jack's talking about that I think almost everyone could agree to. Let us put our badge in the bottom left. If people don't want that, add a setting on the fucking accessibility tab that just says, don't show my rank when I like when I play rank. There's like a million little things that can be done there that would improve quality of life in the short term. Even just this hero um, progression system it's a cool fucking thing. I, I I don't care about these numbers at all, but I finish a game and I see my numbers go up. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I played this me, much of this series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's like, ooh, numbers are going up. Like this is going great. Just keep adding shit like that. Keep giving people incentive to play the game and the people will come back. The game is healthy. It's alive. It's doing well. Keep the truck rolling. I think Overwatch 2 is going to be around for many years to come. Well, great. Lovely to hear that optimism. I'm glad to hear it. And I'm glad to see all you guys to sort of Happy with the game, happy with its directions. It's certainly a a great turn from the dark days that we mentioned, like, you know, the the one point that it was towards the end of Overwatch 1 where it felt like everyone was miserable and waiting for the sunrise. And maybe, you know, maybe it came a little bit later than we thought, you know, a year after the actual early access release of Overwatch 2. It seems like the direction is really good. Season 6 seems to be a really good turning point. And yeah, I mean, I think the developers are looking to kind of have more seasons like this. Obviously, every season can't be season 6. There's going to be... yeah a down season next time when they don't release a hero or maybe they don't have so much cool stuff for us. But yeah, hopefully, I think that's how free-to-play games work anyways, is that they, they can't always have huge hype moments. It's kind of like periods and bursts where good stuff is happening, people come back, they play the game. If they enjoy it, they stick around. Meanwhile, some other game pops off for a bit, they go try that game. It is the cycle that I'm sure they accept as the inevitable nature of free-to-play games. But hopefully, long may Overwatch's rise continue. And on that note, thank you so much to Jake, Custa, and Jaws for joining me today. Give me their time. Please do go show these guys some love. Go listen to Plat Chat as well. And, and yeah, go go sub to Jaws and Custa and Jake. And make sure you don't pick the wrong hero in Jake's game or he will grief and throw it. Yeah, bro. Yeah, so, yeah, just avoid Jake if you don't do want to get flamed. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you very much, guys. Have a great rest of your evening and peace out. Thanks for joining. Peace.